That fight yesterday was for real. Oprah could have been killed, and all you do is levy a $10 fine. My prerogative, you run the streets, I run the courts. If I bring them in, you let them go, the whole thing just becomes a big joke. And I don't care to trade lives for laughs. From now on, I want maximum penalties. You want? You want? Why, you self-appointed dictator, all you know is force and violence. You don't understand the simplest things about the law. I understand the difference between a poor, honest judge and a rich, dishonest one. Tomorrow morning, I'll learn what's in this criminal code book, word for word. What you got is against you. Welcome to another episode of the Sin Beef Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with me is Suzanne. Greetings. How are you? Oh, happy that some cooler weather is coming. I'm tired of stepping outside and coming in and having to take a shower because I'm a sweaty mess. Man, it's all that hair, see? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the hair on my face, not up top, so I, I, I know the struggle, though. Yeah, that's what ponytail holders are for. Well, it looks a little ridiculous in the front, though. <laughs> and, uh, I was having to braid that thing. I was like, no, you're not. That's strange. And, uh, yeah, but it, that's very weird. I've seen guys, I've seen a lot of biker dudes that do that. I'm like, it doesn't look tough. Today, today's a bad beard day, and uh, humidity told me so. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's bad. I can't wait for tomorrow. But, uh, with me also is Jamie. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Glad, glad that you're here. Trust me. Uh, but we'll start the show the same way we always start the show, and I'll ask Jamie what you've been watching. Well, let's see. We have gotten back into our colossal collection, and we just finished off another ten pack. Uh, this one, we actually didn't have to watch a whole lot of movies because a lot of them were repeats, you know, like Night of the Living Dead, uh, Snow Beast, things like that. But we watched a couple new ones. Some I will never watch again, <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I watched them. <laughs> Any guerrilla noir films in there? Uh, no, not in this one. This Damn was it. a this was all modern films. <laughs> so, you know, and Brian was very upset and sad about that. You know how he loves his gorilla noir. <laughs> oh, you gotta, you gotta throw that monkey in there, man. It really works for the film. And he loves his monkey detective movies. <laughs> uh, other than that, oh, what have we watched? Oh, we watched Summer of 84. 
and... I watched part of that. I didn't finish watching it. I was currently watching it before we started to record. Oh, really? Yes. Well, how about that? Well, how about that? What'd you, what'd, you, what'd you think of it? I didn't get to finish it yet. I Well, I liked it, but my only issue was, honestly, the score. I think that, for whatever reason, when people make movies that are supposed to take place in the 80s, they seem to think that every 80s movie sounded like a John Carpenter film. And they go crazy heavy on the synth. And, yes, while there were movies with synth soundtracks back then... It, the movies that this film were like nodding to, uh, like something like The Burbs or, you know, any like something like even like The Goonies or whatever. I mean, those had, you know, orchestral soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And for authenticity, I really would have loved it if they had done something more in the vein of Jerry Goldsmith yeah. or something like that. They're always sucking Carpenter's dick. When nobody ever goes to like that tangerine dream feel, which yeah. bothers me. <laughs> I would have even taken that, you know, uh, it, it just, I don't know. It kept pulling me out because it was so like bashing you over the head with the, get it. We're in the eighties, you know, uh -huh. and it kind of felt like it was scored by someone who wasn't actually in the eighties, but just thinks that that's what the eighties sounded like. Now I know before anyone says anything out there that yes, either the same people that did turbo kid and yes, they're the same composers that did the score for turbo kid and this is the kind of music they write and i get that and whatever but it and even though yes i know it was in production before stranger things it came out years after stranger things yes. so there was plenty of time to fix that and not seem like you're just attempting to cash in which is kind of what it feels like and uh you know that really it i think it was an avoidable thing that you know I don't know. Either, if not, I think it's very sad because that's exactly what it felt like to me. I'm, I'm now get, I'm getting a lot of ups and downs of this movie. Like you know, I, I like when I first see the fat kid, I forget his name. I was like, Did "This fat kid fucking die already!" And then you go, yeah. "Oh <laughs> fuck!" Sympathy for the fat kid because his mother's fucking sick. Like man, is bullshit. You know. But it's <laughs> now it does go to some dark places that I really do appreciate. Like once you get into the third act, it does some things that I really enjoy. This is what I hear. And uh, yeah, and I was very pleased with the film overall because of that. It's just that damn score. I'm like, stop with that already. And some things just were kind of weird, like a bunch of guys sitting around talking about jerking off, you know, in the treehouse together and like talking about, well, I got to go rub one out. I mean, I don't, that wasn't the exact terminology, but basically one kid get up, gets up to leave and says he has to go jerk off, you know, while he has time or whatever. And then, and I was like, that's kind of weird. And I turned to Brian and he goes, no, no, we didn't. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Well, the you know jerk off etiquette you deems that you wait for your roommate or whoever you're, you're in the room with to fall asleep first, and then you know then you go for it. But um, that's the story. <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, we as friends did not ever sit around and talk about how we had to go jerk off. Like that was not a thing. And I'm like, all right, I didn't think so. It seemed kind of weird, but whatever. Uh, but overall, I liked it though. Well, yeah, you come up with a clever name for it. You know, I I don't know what I would call it, but I never told my friends that either. You know. It's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> I thought it was just something guys did and just didn't talk about. Well, I mean, that's what would make sense, I think. I mean, I think everyone knew that everyone did it, but I don't think you, like, got up from playing and you're like, well, time for me to go jerk off, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's a little bizarre. 
Like what? How? how <laughs> what kind of picture do you have of the eighties? <laughs> and then the, like I had, get, look... I had to get the cream from the milk from the milkmaid. Okay, come on now. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you names. look at the ma- the majority of people behind the film, they were born in like the early eighties. Um, but they had no clue. So they they weren't there. Not really. You know, well. not not at this age in the eight. Like they 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 weren't there. So it kind of makes sense. But eh, you know, I don't know. I, honestly, I would probably rather just watch something like The Burbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd rather be watching The Burbs too. At this point in the film, like you said, it really picks up in the third act. I haven't gotten there yet, but I've heard yeah, one, it does. I've heard it does. one. I've heard one eighty song in this whole movie. Well, that was another thing, too, is you some... They they threw that cruel summer out there, and that was about all they had, and... Yeah, and I'm thinking... And even at times when, like, say, for instance, they are sitting in the treehouse, it's just that crazy score going, don't tell me that that it wouldn't feel more natural to have somebody playing a radio and actually have actual music. I mean, you look at something like Stand By Me... (laughs) One of the things that really cemented that film being set oh, yeah, when it was the was music was they the had music. the radio on. Yeah, exactly. When they they're just walking music. down the train tracks singing, when they're when they've got the radio playing in the background, and of course, yes, I know that takes budget, but this was you know made. Um, I mean, it wasn't that cheap, and you could have gotten some. You didn't have to get some even major songs, but you could have gotten some actual music. There's a way to do. it. More than one in the film really would have helped. It just I just would have liked a little more authenticity. That was my issue. And we also watched, um, oh, uh, what's it, Gorefest? No, Bloodfest. And do you guys have you guys heard about that one? I've heard of it. Uh, I just didn't watch it though. Uh, too too much stuff to watch. That's new. <laughs> I know, I know. And well, in this one, I was like, oh, like everything about it, I should be really excited about because it's all about these kids who go to their horror fans and they go to this horror convention and things go in a direction that they weren't expecting them to go. And there are all these, you know, not just nods. They're basically smashing it in your face. You know how much horror fans they are, but these things should have excited me. And I was excited when it first started. And then as it goes on, I was like, why? I really feel bad because I'm not as excited as I feel like I should be. Like, I just don't feel like they, for one, I think they hit way too many mainstream stuff to really get to actual horror fans. You know, it's, they hit all the notes you'd expect them to hit if they were aiming for a mainstream audience. And it's like, yes, everyone, you know, these people, yeah, you know, you know who Leatherface is. You know who Michael Myers is. You know who Jason is. You know who, you know, uh, Freddy Krueger. Like, you know these things. But uh, you know who George Romero is. But give me something that real, like, actual horror fans would dig on. And there were a couple of things, but it just, I felt like they were playing it too broad. I don't know. It just, it, I was like, this is clearly supposed to be made for horror fans. You didn't dip in really far. So, I don't know. I also think they could have gone a little deeper with, I mean, there was some gore. There was some really, there were some good gore. But there were also a lot, there was also a lot of CGI, which pissed me off. I mean, if you're making a movie for horror fans, why the fuck are you going to use CGI? 
<laughs> I mean, it's just if you know horror fans at all, then you're going to know that that's not going to make us happy. You know, um, I would prefer and most horror fans would prefer cheap looking gore gags that are practical over even the slickest CGI and all the CGI wasn't all that slick. So, you know, there was a, there was like an inherent problem there, but you know, I mean, it was something, I don't know that, I think I gave it a three. Brian liked it even less than I did, but you know, we just couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't get as into it as I'd really hoped I would. Cause I was kind of excited about it. And then it ended up kind of falling flat for me, but oh, well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Was it that it, Jamie? I know you watched a lot already, so. Yeah, uh, we're planning to see The Nun this weekend. I'm really excited about that. Nice. And we're going to be covering that on Devour this month. Cool. That'll be fun. Awesome, awesome. Suzanne? Oh, no, just hitting some old school stuff. Rewatched The Howling. Uh, watched Ooh. my, well, watched half of my Blu-ray of Dagon, which I've been so excited for. Woo again. <laughs> and I really just like that movie. I loved it. It it just I just think it brought a lot of, you know, the Lovecraft deep ones. You know, it just made them a little bit more palpable. Mhm. I just I loved it. It like I said it was a you know the the very short story Dagon and just a lot of stuff, you know, that's, you know, shadow over Innsmouth. So, and well, it Innsmouth is my favorite story. I, I love, bounce. It's I love either... fish people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Stuart Gordon, you know, I mean, come on. I don't think any director loves Lovecraft as much as Stuart Gordon does. And Poe. Yeah, Poe as well, yes. Because when I saw him, yeah, but I just think he, he handles Lovecraft a lot better than Poe because the Masters of Horror that he did, the Black Cat. Yeah. I just, you know, I wanted to love it, and I didn't. But as much Especially as... with Jeffrey Combs. I know there is everything about this I should have loved. As much and, as I, as much as I love the Vincent Price Pit the Pendulum, the Roger Corman one, the Stuart Gordon one knocks it out of the park way past that one in my opinion. I haven't seen that in so long. It's full Moon joint, good shit. Yeah, and I've got the Full Moon Roku channel. You gotta pay for that, babe. Oh, I, I do. Well, damn them. <laughs> I'll continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, and I've been watching Castle Rock on Hulu. And once again, I'm at that spot. I want to love this show. And I'm not loving it the way that I want to love it. I hear that so much about that show. You know, I've read all of the Castle Rock stories that Stephen King has written. I'm very familiar with the Castle Rock dairy universe. And I'm just... You ever breathing that old? Um, you ever breathing that old dairy air? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite joke I, from any Stephen King movie. <laughs> you know, I mean, I get, I like an, a little build up, but I'm to the point now. I'm like, I'm just gonna wait till the rest of the episodes air and then force my way through it. I love the fact that Scott, Scott Glenn is playing an amazing Alan Pangborn, and I just, I don't know, I just, I can't, I don't love it the way I want it. And it's it probably because I'm just not a fan of J.J. Abrams. You like a lot of lens flares in your movies? I just, I don't know. It's just, there's something missing and I can't put my finger on what. 
Even when people talk about nostalgia movies, you know how great these movies are. Nobody talks about Super 8 and how great that is, and that's probably my. Well, there's favorite, a reason for that. Probably my favorite J.J. Abrams project ever is Super 8, because you it, and Pat. It, you know, I love that movie. I do. <laughs> Continue though. I'm sorry. Oh no, I'm. I just. I'm, I'm. It's one of those things I've. I've been waiting for. They started talking about it last summer. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I even waited until after I moved to even watch the first episode. And you know, they, they caught my attention with the first episode. I'm on, I think, episode six now. And I just, um, I, I, I'm going to have to force my, myself to finish it because I'm not enjoying it. Mm. And it's making me a little angry that I'm not enjoying it. Could be a real slow burner. Episode six. I love a good slow burn. Don't get me wrong, but... I mean, people, people suck that, that first season of American Horror Stories dick all they want to. I, I got nothing out of it. You know, I know it's all I like, love oh, Murder I, House. I know it's all going to come together in the end, but, you know, I just kept waiting I for more to happen. I love Murder House. I thought that was one of the best. That and Coven were the best ones that they did. That's you know what? Happened. Thank you, because everyone's shitting all over Coven and Murder House. And i like, you know what? You weren't shitting on it when we were watching it. But my, my problem with Ryan Murphy is this. He, he, he can build it up real good. Here goes on masturbation again. It is mental masturbation that, 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 that done by Ryan Lewis because the only problem is he can't finish. Ryan Lewis? Not Ryan Lewis, Ryan Murphy. Maybe, maybe Ryan Lewis can't finish. <laughs> Ryan Lewis has children, so apparently he can't finish. But uh, Ryan Murphy, I'm not so sure about. But um, <laughs> that guy, Ryan Murphy, he, he builds it up real well for me. But then in the end, it just shits to bed. It's like, pfft, I, 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 I'm not feeling it. He, he, he can't close nothing. Well, I thought Asylum was just a fucking mess. I it was just a hot mess. They kept throwing more and more shit in the blender to the point where the whole thing made no fucking sense. Well, honestly, I don't think they've done it. I have not disliked any season. So, I've been totally happy with that show and I'm I'm sure I'll continue to be. I didn't I watched the first episode of last season's and I just I couldn't stand Sarah Paulson, so I couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> she, I, she was just—I thought she was just awful. And election, or was it? I have no idea what it was called last season. And I, election year? No, that was the purge. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like stuck on the purge. Uh, cult. It was cult. And the one show that I am watching that I'm enjoying the absolute hell out of is Mr. Mercedes is back. Oh, yes. They did such an amazing job because the first season was the first book. Not quite sure what they're doing right now, but they have my attention. I'm enjoying it. I fucking loved the first season. I know. That's Jamie's jam right there. I am. Seriously, when that gets a release on Blu-ray, I'm just buying it. Sure, I can stream it someplace for free, but I need to have that. I have to have it. And I love the books. I blew through the books, all three of them, in like a week. Nice. And let's see, what else? Uh, I haven't watched my copy of The Changeling yet because apparently there's a fuck up on the disc. So I emailed them. I haven't heard back. I don't know. Do they email you? I've got to find out. Because I know, I never... because we got the, re- the you mean the new release? Yeah. Yeah. 
we got it and we watched it and I didn't notice anything wrong. No, there's a, I'll, I'll send you the, the link, but apparently I, I just, I don't know. It's probably something so minuscule. It, it sounds that like it to me. Oh, you know what though? That explains it because Brian got a second copy of it and he was like, I, I don't know why they sent me another copy. I guess they didn't send him an explanation as to why he got a, a second copy. <laughs> But he, um, but we had already watched the first one because he watches them right away so he can review them, and it was fine. Like that, I recall. I don't recall anything being weird. So um, yeah, because I, I emailed them about getting a, a replacement one. disc, and I never got a reply. I don't know. Like, it seems like a real minor audio glitch the way they were talking. Oh, it was. But you also because of their of the goof, you get the soundtrack. Well, that comes with mine oh, anyway. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't opened it yet, but I, I think, I think the soundtrack's in there, though. And, yeah, I got the, the big blown-up special edition with the pin and the bouncing rubber ball. And, no, I have not recorded it bouncing down the stairs yet. <laughs> that will happen, though. <laughs> it totally will happen. I will be posting the shit out of that when I finally do it. Fortunately, my cat liked the ball, too. So I had to hide it. And yeah, I think that's pretty much about it. Uh, me, I'm, I'm gonna mention stuff that I didn't, I didn't mention last time. A couple things because I forgot to mention these. Me and my brother Rico picked up a movie from the people that made um, Frankenstein Creative uh, Bikers. Uh, neither new one called Amazon Hotbox, which is a uh, a movie that really goes into like those '70s women in prison movies and '70s <laughs> women kicking ass movies. I mean, the, the, the main girls are named Ebony, Ebony, Ivory, and Jade, for Christ's sakes. And it's a, it's a, it's a white girl, black girl, and an Asian girl. And it's, uh, it's really cheesy, and you guys were talking about, like, CG, like, special effects. This had it in there, but it's low budget, and I didn't care, because it found a really crazy way to murder people. And it's really cheesy, and it's got boobs in there, and weird sex shit, and it's just a re- really weird crazy B-movie, and that's precisely what they were going for, so I, I wasn't mad at our experience. We had a great time with it, so I was supposed to be getting um, the writers, I think, or something on, for to promote it, so I haven't set that email up yet, but I'm going to, but uh, if you're at a convention, I think they're, they're, they're screening it, um, I think in Virginia, sometime very soon at a horror con, so if you... If, Find a screening for Amazon Hotbox. Uh, go go watch that shit. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, I found that I'm liking Amazon Prime much more than Netflix nowadays. Cause I to the point where I get rid of Netflix. Cause I think Amazon Prime has a lot better stuff on it. Uh, I watched Easy Money, the Rodney Dangerfield movie. I haven't watched it in forever, and you forget that you know Jeffrey Jones, you know, way passes his personal transgressions was. One of the greatest sleaze balls of the 1980s, and in in most of most of the stuff he was in, and this is no exception. Um, people forget the, how much of a baby face that Joe Pesci was back in those days, because I I think uh, <laughs> he's pretty funny and he looks crazy young in this movie, and not like sullen and short. And I think my problem, my first image of him, I'm was, sure he still looks short. Yes, yeah, so he's very short still. <laughs> I'm sure, but yeah, I remember I I, I grew up. And, you know, I was born in the 80s, but I grew up in the 90s, so my first image of Joe Pesci is really Home Alone. 
you know, the, this this sullen guy with the busted in nose and <laughs> and you know it, it's it's really that. But if you watch Easy Money, he's so clean cut in the movie, and he's his face isn't like he got punched in the face like repeatedly by by mobsters, and uh, that's the passion we got now, people. Uh, what else? I, I rewatched the Stepfather. I didn't get to the sequels, but apparently all three of them are on on Amazon Prime. Um, hey, I love those movies. Yeah, they're decent. The first one was so good. Oh God! I, I have what... a special love for the second one too. Uh, there's the scene in the junkyard where he's getting rid of the dentist's body, and he's like got the classical music cranked up while he's wrecking the car. For what I just for whatever reason, I love that movie, and I thought the third one was still was entertaining too. I mean, there's not a, a crazy amount of death in, in the movie, but the opening's still really strong. Mm-hmm. Terry O'Quinn's performance is really strong, and I think that that um that kill well, what probably the only really real kill you get in the entire movie. Well, two, you get two kills in the movie, but when he is killing the guy with the two by four, yeah, it's probably one of the most brutal scenes in any '80s horror film, in my opinion. I just love when he's strolling down the stairs in the beginning of the film, and yeah. he just casually strolls by all the slaughtered family. It's a massacre right there, babe. <laughs> they just don't they they don't make a lot of movies with that kind of brutality anymore. Like I said, you had two kills in the movie, but it it, it I think Terry Quinn's uh, performance was strong enough, and I know Jamie can't shut up about the the unsung scream queen Jill Sholins in this movie, and uh. <laughs> She's a cutie. I like her. She is very. She's still very cute. She's my. She's my friend on Facebook. Yeah. Um, go DC cab all day long, baby. Uh, like <laughs> yeah, I said, but I think I'm you're sorry. right, Suzanne. It was like a. It's like a stoic brutality. Like today, they when a film is brutal, and I'm not saying across the board every film. Obviously, it's a it's a generalization, but a lot of films. When they get brutal, it's almost like they feel like they have to go really far over the top, so it doesn't seem too serious or too dark. Um, I don't know with, uh, but there was just a, it's kind of like a quiet brutality, you know. I, I don't know. It it's, I love it, love it. I, mean, I just thought Terry O'Quinn was just perfect in that movie because you just you you know what he is, and just seeing how unsuspecting everybody is at first and you know that there's that that rage brewing inside it's yeah. just kind of spectacular the one thing that irritates me is jill sholin's character before he even gives anyone any reason to be suspicious she is automatically suspicious uh, like he hasn't really done anything yet i mean yes you're right <laughs> you are correct but he hasn't done anything he hasn't been mean he hasn't been i mean when like she is just out of the gate, you know, well, uh, suspicious of him, and well, like you I, know. Th- I think you're like supposed to assume certain things. Like she's seen him do certain things that the mother didn't see. Like you get the scene in the basement where he's like starts flipping out on whatever the fuck he's flipping out about. And yeah, but it's even before any of that. Yeah, but that I'm she, saying, I mean, off, she like right off, out of the like gate. off screen stuff. Like you don't know how long he's been living with them. You don't know what she's seen. That would think make you think that he's well, a then, flake, you know. That's bad on the movie, then. Yes, that's bad on the movie. I, I agree. <laughs> You're supposed oh, there's to be- another one that's similar to that. That's pretty good. I don't know if you guys have heard. It. It's called Scream for Help. No, I haven't Ooh. heard of this. I'm gonna look for it though. When did it come out? Oh God, it's like early mid '80s. Oh, I'm so there. 
and basically it's kind of the same premise, but this dude moves in and marries this girl's mother for her money and girls onto him because her mom keeps having all of these accidents, like, you know, tripping down the stairs, car problems, and she's onto him. And it's, it's a great, if you find it, you'll love it. I promise. Yeah, just real subtle shit, though. I, I love this stepfather. I haven't watched it in forever, and it's like, wow, there it is I on have... Prime, and there's like a treasure trove of shit on Prime, so... Yeah, I'm going to have to go... I, I think I'm going to end up watching Stepfather tonight. Nice. We uh, actually watched that long ago. Yeah. I don't remember why. It's been quite a while for me, and it's always been one of those movies that I've always really liked. Um, two, two, uh, things to bring this way down, because I watched two documentaries, uh, one on Netflix being, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the, it's the He-Man documentary, the Skull one, and, uh, I, it, it hit the screen, I had to watch it, and, because I'm a big He-Man fan, it really digs into why, why the, the show is so saccharine and so family-friendly, friendly, because they really want to make this brutal cartoon show where He-Man... Not not massacred, but definitely more violent. And uh, but they had the you know the family groups after him saying you got to make it more saccharine, and he could bounce off of people and do this out of the other, and he can't kill anybody. And it had this thing at the end that the writers of the show didn't even write. I mean, you had J. Michael Straczynski who wrote Babylon Five and uh, an infinite tons amount of, of sci-fi, yes, tons of sci-fi, and infinite amount of comic books. And he was writing this show, but they they had these you know the little interstitials. What we learned today on the show, he man, you know, uh, yeah, that was all for us for other writers to do, which I hear Paul Dini was in that mix, who, of course, gave us great uh, the great Batman the animated series and other great stuff like that. And um, I I I think it really sucks that She-Ra could have been something else because they talk about on that show that. They, they had to really tone that down, too, by saying that, you know, a woman can't do, certain, like, the, you know, the fighting. So that's why she was doing, like, pirouettes in the air to, to get rid of the bad guys and shit. Because they had to make her more girly by a rule. And so it, it, it was so saccharine. And I, they so they gutted sad. it. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm going to have to watch that, too. I love... I <sighs> yeah, love... I would, I'm going to have to watch that. I have the He-Man box sets. <laughs> yeah, you have the one with, with the gray skull sticking out of the face, that one? Yeah. I yeah. had that one, too. Now, if, I, if, you, I... if you haven't watched it yet, you got to watch the 20th anniversary series, because I think they they give the characters a lot more depth in that show, and it's really great because of that. Okay. Yeah, I was a huge fan. Let me tell you this. As much as they may have... What whatever they ended up doing to Shira, I gotta tell you, at the time, it made me badass. Like it really, I watched it every day. I was so into He Man and Shira, and I would go outside every day. I couldn't wait to get home from school because I played Shira, and I had my my dogs were like in on it too. And I didn't obviously have a flying horse. So I used my swing and (laughs) we had just gotten our bathroom redone right around that time. And there was a piece of probably two to three foot long quarter round that was left behind by the carpenter who had made the, the baseboards. And I, that was, that became my sword. And 
I every day I it was it was just I don't know super fun for me and she made she really empowered me she really made me feel like I was badass so even if it was watered down I it did it did what it was supposed to do at least in my mind at least for me so I felt powerful man and just I wanted to be her yeah yeah that's good you know, one of, the, one, of the, one of the first animated yeah, badasses. Well, that's, good. that's good, yeah. <laughs> one of the first animated female badasses that I remember as a child. This is going to sound really strange. We're going to do this one day. We're going to do. When I saw Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer, even as a kid, I knew that film got fucking dark as shit. So if we ever do something like that, we'd be, wow, that got dark. We'll, we'll do that in the Care Bears movie, because that Care Bears movie is a fucked up movie if you, if you watch it. You know. You're killing me, Gary. It's really fucked up. I'll tell you right, I watched it as an adult. It's like, wow, this is geared towards children. This is fucking depressing as hell, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I think it was really cool. If you get more into it, they, they really go into it uh, on the Masters movie and, you know, the the, 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 the restraints on that. They pulled the, the reins on that, but I love they brought Langell in to, to talk about the role of Skeletor because if there's a standout that film, a reason to watch Masters, the movie, it's Langella's Skeletor because... And he, he goes into it on this documentary about how he was able to write his own dialogue. It was very Shakespearean. And it was fucking awesome. Just hearing Langella talk about it. And one of my favorite Langella roles ever is Skeletor. Not even because I, I have nostalgia as a kid, but because it's another one of those roles where they have him in there, just like Raul Julia before, you know, after him. And, you know, who, who else? Even, even Dennis Hopper is King Koopa in that Mario Brothers film. They knew they had this role, and that wasn't probably going to be very any good. But they fucking went for it. They really did, and I I appreciate the dialogue in this documentary that Langella was explaining how he really went for it, and it made me fucking happy, happy as shit. But um, oh, what other documentary I'm watching? Uh, get ready for to bring, get the Kleenex on this one, guys. I watched the "Won't You Be My Neighbor," Mister Ro- Mister Rogers documentary, and uh. You want to fill in a fucking destroy your soul emotionally? Just watch that Mr. Rogers documentary. You better bring some fucking tissue, man. Because there was points in the film where I had to pause it. I, I need I needed some minutes there in between some of those, you know, soul-crushing scenes of Fred Rogers making me cry all over again. And these people talking about Aww. him. Man, it's, it'll fuck you up, man. That, that Mr. Rogers documentary <laughs> is bad. It's, it's wonderful, and everybody yeah, should see it, but it is bad. Man. I remember there was a, um, like, uh, an urban legend. Not really urban legend, but just a, a lie going around, I guess, at one point, that he was a pedophile. Oh, that's, and, that's untrue, for sure. Uh, I, no, I know. Yeah. and uh, But I remember when I first heard that, I was, like, in my 20s, and I was like, that, cr-, I mean, it crushed me. It did. And then I found out that it was bullshit and whatever. But um, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I heard that pre-internet, so or like pre-me being on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, like now. So I don't know. That was it was weird. But no, because he was just a he was a hero, you know, to me. I mean, my look. I was an only child, <laughs> mm-hmm. so my TV personalities were very important to me. And honestly, I kind of credit. TV in the 70s and early 80s with making me into the person I am today because I was kind of raised by Mr. Rogers and the Electric Company and yep. Sesame Street and yeah. um, 
and even like Little House on the Prairie and the Brady Bunch, you know, all of these things kind of molded who I am. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, like if you if it seems kind of oh, also Andy Griffith, if you go back now, I mean, obviously in reruns on that one. But if you go back now and watch these things, it's like, yeah, I mean, I it's it's OK. Like they there's nothing they're all it's so wholesome and you learn things, but you learn, I think, more importantly, how to be a decent person. And I didn't have a lot of that coming from my parents. Um, I don't go into my parents a whole lot, except for my mother molding me into a horror fan, which I will be forever grateful for. But outside that, there wasn't much going on there. And yeah, my mom was this. It, my mom is the reason that I love horror the way that I do. Oh yeah, I mean she is totally responsible for me being a horror fan. But as far as like my uh, my personal values. Uh, anything along those lines go um as far as like uh, you know stuff like that goes uh, they were responsible for raising me. I and mean, to the point where when i was it was time for me to go to like middle school and the middle school that i went to had been previously it was the high school that my mother went to so i would i was looking at through her yearbooks to kind of get an idea of the layout of the school and everything and i was really excited and because of marsha brady like i was expecting there to be scuba you know, and like well, that one episode where she joined the frog team, you know, and I was like, oh, there's going to be scuba in high school. There's going to be and, and there, there's not. But it <laughs> but <laughs> all of these no scuba team. I know. But because I was an only child and parents back then were not up your ass like they are now, you know, they just they weren't up their kids asses, you know, um, which I also am very grateful for, to be honest, because it allowed me to find my own way. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I kind of had an idyllic upbringing, like, looking back on it, you know? So at least I, w- I wouldn't have it any other way now. Did Davy Jones come to your prom and sing a song for you? Oh, I wanted him so bad. <laughs> I wanted him to so bad. I want to no. take Mickey Dolenz. He was always the cool one to me. And I loved that episode with Joe Namath, because... <laughs> Only the Bradys. M- M- Mickey cool. Dolans will forever be the cool one to me because I've met him like seven times, and every time he's got the giant smile on his face whenever I talk to him. So it's like, thanks, Mickey, for Pleasant Valley Sunday. You're awesome. You know, <laughs> amazing shit. But yeah, that, that, that'll fuck you up. That that Fred Rogers documentary, though. That the part where he's there's a lot of parts in it, man. But the one main part he went into, and I didn't think it was gonna hit me as hard as it did. When he starts talking about. How he used the, the cat puppet, which he voiced, uh, to uh, basically work through his own his own insecurities, you know, with his father, and you know, just just his individuality, and you know, being himself, and like man, they started singing that song. I was like, and that pause button again, pause button again, you know, fucked me up. But if you, if you haven't seen it yet, go go check it out. It's on it's on VOD right now, and uh, it's good. But um. Waterworks aside, I'm I'm done with that. But <laughs> comes our next segment: the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't know the price. Barbecue beef. Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Suzanne, what's your beef, girl? Oh, God. 
I'm sure I've had this beef before, but I'm going to have it again. So in the past two weeks, because I have no interest in a certain remake that's coming out. <laughs> but random people have called me for anything from pretentious because I want nothing to do with it. And I think it's just, I, I don't care if it gets a, a standing ovation. I know lots of people walked out. I mean, it doesn't I, matter anyway. If you don't want to see it, you don't want to see it. You know, yeah. leave you the fuck alone. And I actually had someone call me closed-minded, and I find that to be the bigger insult. I wouldn't do yeah. that, but, you know, if I, if I bust your balls about it, it's out of love, okay, Suzanne? You know? Oh, I know. It's like you and Willis and Nudie and Jake, it, it's... Yeah, well, look who it's coming from. Yeah, well, uh, we, well, no, we do it, was, it out of love, It wasn't though. any of them. And the guy that called me pretentious, Willis went off on. Good. So Good, he like, should, because you are not fucking pretentious, first of all. And second of all, there's a difference between saying, hey, I have no interest in seeing this and being one of those people that calls it shit as soon as you hear about it without without watching it. You know, like, I, I, you know, I could say you're totally fine to say I'll with I'm going to withhold my judgment because I don't plan on seeing it because I'm not interested. And that does not make you pretentious. It doesn't make it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means you aren't interested in seeing a film. So what? It's like, uh, I like I like I don't like films that people generally think are really great. There's a handful of films, like The Babadook. I, I don't care for it all that much. I, I don't I don't see the, the the outright love for it. Willis is on my side on this one, and maybe nobody else. But I, I'm not gonna like have a crusade over like you know what if you like that movie you fucking suck. No, because I, yeah. I know I know <laughs> I know it has I, its fans. It has fans of plenty. I'm just not one of them. I just, I have no interest. Everything I've seen about it, it just looks like garbage to me. And I'm like, it looks, it just, it looks bad. I don't want to watch it. I have no interest in watching it. I never will watch it. I actually don't think it looks bad at all. I think it looks really good. But uh, (laughs) I also don't expect that it's going to compare to the original because it there's just you you can't so i mean i'm not i don't have a problem seeing it but um you know i don't know what to expect i, I mean i try not to even on things unless i see them so i have so i don't really know what to say about it but you know i'll see it and um doesn't it doesn't bother me that it exists but i don't i mean i don't know i i the trailers that i've seen looked pretty decent to me i haven't watched but that's one yet it. I mean, they they just put out that Halloween. You know. They just put out that Halloween trailer. I haven't watched that yet either. Not not by choice. I just haven't looked at it yet. Oh, well, I, I did watched. watch it, and I I watched it because uh, Jake, Nudie, and Willis wanted to talk about the trailer. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen it. They're like, well, watch it. And there is one clip from the trailer, and I just started laughing. I couldn't catch my breath. I started laughing so hard. Oh wow. Gosh. I haven't gotten to watch it yet. We're actually going to watch it when I get finished recording tonight. Brian's waiting for me. Cool. That's a nice fellow. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I that's know. That's a nice fellow like, right like, there, that guy. Like I said, I, I want to see the the new Halloween. I do. I'm I'm kind of, I'm actually going to suck it up and go to the theater. And I just, I hate going to the theater. <laughs> let, but, let, me, let me elaborate on that. Is he sitting right there, Jamie? No, he's in the living room. Damn it, I was going to say, look over to him right now and say, Brian, you're not a piece of shit. 
That that's a lot. That's a lot from Gary. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just like I said. I I've never called anybody anything. If you like a certain thing, good for you. And you don't like a certain thing, good for you. Still I good I have for you. Yeah. I have very specific things that I like, and There's things nothing, I don't like. Nothing wrong with that. That's the that's the. I just I can't stand it when people get into name calling. Over opinion. Oh, I mean, stop. What makes your opinion more valid than anyone else's? I don't think my opinion is more valid than anyone else's. Now, I am more inclined to listen to certain people's opinions over other people's opinions because I know they're more in line with my own. But that doesn't mean I'm going to look at the other person and say, you know, you have no right to like what you like. You know, I may not I may not personally like it or even think you're real smart. But it doesn't mean that I am going to, I don't I'm give you any problems about it. I don't, I mean, I don't really care in the end. Of, at the end of the day, I like what I like. You like what you like. And there you go. How is it hurting anyone? And just to temper the, I'm tired of people calling me pretentious and closed minded. My dentist, I I had to go visit the dentist and I've got a, they've scheduled me for the, to calm me down for my cleanings my dentist wrote me a script for valium so i thought that was really nice of them (laughs) maybe you wouldn't have to get dental work done if you weren't so closed-minded yeah exactly (laughs) being all pretentious with your dentist visits your your fancy (laughs) abscess you know walk it off walk it off woman come on But yeah, I'll leave my bitch there and my my positive there. Cool. Valium is indeed a positive. If you're happy and you know it, shake your meds. That's what they always say, right? <laughs> JP, what about you? You got a beef? Um, I don't think so. I really don't think anyone, anything. People haven't really had much time to piss me off <laughs> because <laughs> I, um, I don't know. Like, okay, I had a woman at work the other day call and just scream in my ear, just screaming for a solid five to ten minutes, just screaming. And, I mean, loud, and I swear to God, she sounded drunk. And she was just rah, 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 talking about one of the other agents and how, you know, she thinks she's lied to her. And I'm like, lady, no, she didn't lie to you, but whatever. And that didn't even, it didn't even piss me off didn't piss me off i was just like okay have a great day like i was just so in a good place i did have a guy piss me off last week though and it was because he was just being a dick and he called um because he wanted to get a quote on some insurance and so i'm asking him the questions that i have to ask in order to do the thing you know there's information that we have to have and he was being very closed off and just rude about everything and he's like that's none of your business well that's none of your business and I'm like sir I was trying to be really nice you know like sir I'm only asking you the things that I'm required to ask you there there is a reason for everything and I would even I was even explaining the reason for the things that I asked you know and finally, he was just like, you're going too far. This is way too personal. And I'm like, because I asked him if he had any accidents in the past three years, you know? <laughs> How like, personal? That's not very personal. 
No, and you know what? I'm going to find out anyway. So you may as well go ahead and tell me. But he, um, I mean, it just, uh, eventually it got to the point where I could completely, <laughs> I could tell just by the things that he was saying and by the, the manner in which he was being so incredibly disrespectful. I know that it was only because I was a woman hmm. because he called and initially asked for a guy that used to work there that no longer works there. And I said, Oh, he doesn't work here anymore. And then his demeanor just completely changed. And he got so nasty with every question that I was asking him. And there was a couple things that he said that led me in that direction, but <laughs> it just, it was really obvious. And I'm like, you know, fuck off. You know? And eventually he hung up on me. I mean, which is fine. Cause then I just cussed a lot, but that's kind of the only thing that pissed me off. And I'm like, you know what? You're asking, you're calling, asking me to help you with something. I'm not trying to get over on you. I'm not trying to dig out anything personal. Hell, I don't even ask for your social security number. It's not like I ask for things like that. I don't. You know, it's the thing that I'm asking you about the kind of car that you drive and and do you have any tickets or accidents and what's your date of birth, your driver's license number. But these are things that we have to have. You cannot get insurance if you don't give, you know, if they don't have that information. So whatever. And that's the only thing that's really pissed me off. And in a while, I mean, other than that, it's been kind of smooth going, but just like, don't be a dick, dick. You know, I pictured just now. I pictured that 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 idiot in Fargo getting all pissed off because William H Macy tried to sell him the undercoating. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're a gold yeah, lord liar. <laughs> well, we'll give it to you for half. That, that true coat. You got to get that true coat. That true coat, yes. <laughs> JV selling uh, the true coat. That that's kind of funny though. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna picture my brain all the time now. You know. Oh my god. Uh, me, I don't have much to complain about. More, more like I don't, I don't really get pissed off. I get annoyed, especially you know, I, I had a thing that happened at the gas station today that, that the guy didn't know how Lotto worked. You know, you have quick picks here, which means the random numbers, but he wanted to pick his own numbers for the quick pick. And I'm in front of this uh -oh. asshole. <laughs> about this. And he's, well, if you're picking, that, your, it's not a quick pick. It's dude. not a quick pick. I mean, just sit in front of this asshole, wow. like listen to this. I was like. Go fucking commute on your own time, you know? So why didn't they just let him pick his own numbers and sell it to him that way and then just let him think it was a quick pick? Um, I mean, wouldn't that have been a faster way to deal with that? Would, just be like, okay, give me your numbers. Would have been, but, you know, it's like when I go into, like, Boston <laughs> Market and people know how Boston Market works, I was like, fucking pick a protein and fucking pick sides, okay? And fucking move the fuck on. <laughs> No soup for you. <laughs> yeah, they need they need that person in Chipotle and fucking Subway. <laughs> I, I read these people yeah, at Subway I... were like the last two African American old folks who didn't know how Subway worked. <laughs> I get really intimidated by burrito places, let me tell you, because <laughs> there's you know, a I, lot. I'll stand back and if I don't know quite what I want or how I'm ordering it, I'll let people go ahead of me. Oh, I never yes, I never get that. I always do that. I never I get always that. Do that. I, I, I do it. I, I never get that, though. Yeah. Um, what's what's yeah. intimidating about the burrito place? Is that, like, the choice of toppings? That, like, what you want on it? Well, okay, there's a burrito place back in Athens that we had. They used to give you, uh, like, okay, there were different kinds of burritos that you start off with. Like, that's what you say, is I want this kind of burrito. And it's been years. I don't remember what they were specifically called. But, like, say, for instance, there was, like, a 
a uh, like a basic version that was just like meat and cheese. And then once you go down the line, you can add stuff to it if you want. But then there was like a, a step up from that that automatically comes with like meat and cheese and sour cream and guacamole. And, you know, so those are things that you don't have to tell them about because you have told them this is the kind of burrito I want. Then you just move on to do you want salsa or do you want picante or you know instead or do you want tomatoes i mean you know you get more specific but you have the basics out of the way every single time i would go i would tell them you know basically i would go for the medium one and tell and then every time i'm in the line they're like do you want sour cream and i'm like son of a bitch is that not why i said that i mean if you're gonna ask me every time anyway why don't you just make one burrito choice and then ask me everything going down the line it just would get frustrating. And then <laughs> and then they get irritated with you because I'm like, don't you, why don't you, I just told you what I want. That's why I said that. If I didn't want the sour cream, I would have ordered the other kind. But, I mean, I don't know, whatever. I guess I was just being, for whatever reason, it felt intimidating to me because I on, I felt like they they looked at me like the soup Nazi, like every time. Like, <laughs> nobody talked for you. I was in this Euro place last Friday, okay? These people, these same two old Greek people have been making me Euros since I was probably 10 years old. And probably, probably beyond that, they've had the same spot. These same people go in there all the time. They know it's just the two of them, so it takes them a little longer to get your order ready. I had to listen to this ass, these, this, this fabulous group of ghetto assholes just talk shit to these people, okay? And, and one of them, you know, was like, I want two hot dogs, Chicago style. And she she knows what the fuck that means, but she has to assume this guy's fucking stupid because we don't put ketchup on our hot dogs here. That's not a Chicago-style hot dog. So yeah, she asked him, right. do you want ketchup on it? Like three times. It's like, no, Chicago-style. If you knew what it was, you weren't so stupid. I was like, dude, get the fuck out of her face. I, I give a glare like, you know, probably that would give you a shot in the neighborhood, you know, but here, here we are. But... <laughs> <laughs> Another one, you know, a bitch about how long the food took. I, I'll sit there for like 20 minutes waiting for my food because I know, I know deep down inside that's just the two of them in there. And it's, it's taking them a while to do things because it's just two of them. It's not like they have a crew like at Portillo's and they have like 40 people back there. But it takes them 25 minutes to make a fucking beef sandwich, which annoys me to no fucking end. It's, it's really fucking yeah. crazy. But um, I used to get irritated when I was at Leo's and we, and we have Coney's. A coney dog is chili mustard onion. Mm -hmm. You know, that is your standard coney. And if you order a coney, that's what you're getting. You know, but then they would order, somebody would come in and they'd order a chili dog. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if you wanted a coney, you'd order a coney. So apparently you want a chili dog. But every time I would ask them just to be sure, and I'd say, so you only want chili? No. Well, fuck, bitch, that's what you just said. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, okay. Well, what do you want on it? I want what comes on it. Well, you just ordered a chili dog. So if you want a coney, then that's a whole different thing. And it's just like, but that's me. And it's a good thing I ask because they're fucking wrong every time. <laughs> I'm like, mm. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean, so maybe the burrito people were looking at me like I was looking at those coney people, except I ordered what I wanted, and my my irritation was because you continue to ask me if I want what I specifically said I wanted. But like, give me give me a Maxwell Street Polish. What does it consist of? Well, it consists of a Polish, 
mustard and onions. You know, you can you can that's have all, you can have other shit on there. It's just you know that's what that's what it comes yeah, with. That's the Maxwell's that's the base. That's where you start from. It sounds really good. Oh, um, it really is. You get the right one. Hell yeah. Oh, we sell yeah. at at Coney here. We sell Coney dogs. We sell Chicago style, and we sell New York style. With the crowd and, on there. Oh yeah. God, <sighs> I miss New York dogs. I love New York dogs. That's the best. Yeah, it is. Um. Okay, Chicago dog here because I've never actually been to Chicago. Um, a Chicago dog here is like tomatoes and relish and peppers. Is this right? Yeah, this little sport peppers. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it actually looked good. I never tried one, now, do you, but do you, I always do you, opted. Do you guys for, have like the bright green relish like this for the New York dog? Oh, for the okay. Yeah. 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 Usually they add like the long pickle to it. And and the and, and the celery salt is money on that Chicago dog. It's got to be on there. Oh yeah, you got to have the celery salt. We didn't. Salt. We didn't have that. Well, tell, but, tell um, those fools in, in in Michigan that's how it works. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they need that celery, celery salt. Celery salt. I'm going to be pissed if I go and order one, a Chicago dog, and I do not have my celery salt. Well, you might have bring your own. <laughs> if, you, if you come to Michigan and you want to eat at a Coney and you want a Chicago dog, bring your own celery salt. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I actually miss Michigan Coney's. Suzanne will be like that scene in, in American History X where his mom brings the Jew home and he's very upset about this. <laughs> he rips off his shirt. <laughs> he shows the swastika. Not welcome. That's Suzanne equal to Suzanne slamming that celery salt on the, on the table. <laughs> celery salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to learn when I moved up here. I had to learn that there was a difference between Flint style chili and Detroit style chili. Really? Yeah. Is the I, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some places, um, like if you go into Detroit proper, uh, some places will serve both kinds of chili. We just at the Coney just have one kind, and it's just Detroit style. But uh, a lot of places have Flint style chili. Which is made with no water. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's there actually cold. is a. There actually is. There actually is a Flint style chili. It has nothing to do with the water, but I, you know it might because uh, not for that reason. But I want to say Flint style chili is a, is supposedly like a little drier than, um, than Detroit style chili. Like uh, Detroit's wetter a wetter chili. Now I've never had Flint style chili, so you know. Anybody out there bitching, I don't know what I'm talking about. You're probably right because I've never had it because we only had Detroit style. So, but according to Jamie, but, it's a little bit dry because it doesn't water. It doesn't have water. It has no water. <laughs> uh, the express in, in thoughts of Jamie J. Sammons uh, does that express the, the thoughts of us? Although we make you know racially insensitive jokes all the time, but yeah, she can say what she wants. I don't give a fuck. You know, so there that's you go. A, that's not racially insensitive. It's just no. We we, it, we say racially insensitive stuff all the time. Air, Airy uh, insensitive, it is. I know. Really? Apparently, they are. Apparently, it has come out that there's problem in Detroit water now. She really stretched out on airy uh, insensitive. <laughs> well, because I was gonna say aerial insensitive, and that makes it sound like I'm talking about like an antenna or <laughs> <laughs> areola insensitive. You know. Uh, <laughs> oh goodness. That's about as adorable as you being called Mrs. Pool on the House of Wax. 
<laughs> I noticed that right away. I was like, yeah. Oh, that was my idea. <laughs> oh, I knew it was your idea. It's not even a question. Actually, and her first name, Chastity, comes from her role in um, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, mm. Chastity Pariah. So I put them both together and made Chastity Pool. And it's because Ricky was like, here you go. These are what, this is what I want you to do. Do it however you want. I'm picturing something really enthusiastic. So immediately, I think Mrs. Pool. Ricky. I just, that's who, that's who I pictured. And so she was kind of my, I can't do her accent. So I didn't do like an impression of her, but she was my inspiration for my enthusiasm. Gotcha. But I'm glad you picked up on that. So, oh, right away. So we got from all this is Flint has no water and <laughs> fucking pick a protein. Okay. And we'll be a lot better off. <laughs> And fucking, if you don't want just chili, call it a coney. <laughs> call it a fucking coney. Suzanne's got some fucking celery salt for your ass. <laughs> oh my god, this was an intense beef segment. Talking about food even, you know. <laughs> tonight, oh god, I sh- I, I'm wide awake. I had like seven sodas today for no good reason. But uh, tonight we're going to be uh, talking about three films all about one man. Real life, well, not dead, uh, lawman. <laughs> he died twice in this series. Uh, Buford Pusser and the original Walking Tall series. We'll talk about another one towards the end of the show because uh, something might happen with that. I already have one co-host for that show. I'm going to get into that um, right about after this with Walking Tall, the original, right after this. Are you terrified by real life? Us too. You like horror movies? Us too. Then join Maddie and Andrew, your co-hosts for a new podcast that explores horror in real life and horror in the movies, and all with a fresh and fabulous gay perspective. We are a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Facebook, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. We're Friday the 13th. Walking Tall, the story of a real man who has become a living legend. Dude, why don't you try this job on for size? I was elected sheriff on one issue that I'd bust every joint in the whole county. Talked to Witter this morning. He said to put him away. They beat him. How does it feel to be part of the oppressed minority? They cut him. Has come home to get half killed. They taunted him. You can't let him join him. They tempted him. They even shot him. Ordinary man wouldn't have made it through. But they couldn't shut him up. You let them do this to me and get away with it, and you'll give them the eternal right to do the same damn thing to any one of you. Or hold him down. He was going to give them law and order, or die trying, walking tall. Uh, Walking Tall from 1974? It's 73, I'm sorry. Uh, Your plot synopsis is this, based on the life of Tennessee Sheriff Buford Pusser. Whom almost, single hand, who, um, whom almost single-handedly cleaned up his small town of crime and corruption, 
I'm sorry. If you're from the South, you have to say pussa. 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 But at a personal cost to his from his family and nearly his own life. Yeah, Homer gets, gets his face shot off in this movie. That's that's hardcore. But uh, this stars, of course, the very shirtless, scarred up Joe Don Baker. Uh, ooh, Leif Garrett's in all three of these movies. I forgot about that. Ooh, Elizabeth Hartman, Don Lynn. There's a whole bunch of folks in here that I don't recognize all the way. Nah. Grover, um, or Gro- what's his name? Grover? Grover? Coker. Coker. Gro- Grady Coke. Not Grady. He played Grady. Um, Coker's his last name. Shit. Anyway, he, uh, he I think, is notable. I just I like him so much, but <laughs> he's in all three films. A lot of the cast is in all three, which I really dig. Yeah, I know I do too. Yeah, but what happens at the end of this movie is kind of believable that you know you get you get that different that different mug. But I'll uh, I'll kick it. This is Jamie's grand idea, so I'll kick it to her first and ask her what Yay! she thought of the first of this first installment of Walking Tall. Oh my god, I love this movie so much. This is something I grew up watching at least once a year it would come on TV like on the Superstation or something and I watched it with my granddad every year we watched this together or every time it came on we watched it together whenever that was and I just I loved it he was always a hero of mine I I know a lot of people have an issue with his sort of vigilante style justice or his you know I'm walking around carrying a stick and I'm gonna break shit up but you know what he I mean Buford Pusser, as a real-life man, cleaned the shit out of that town. I mean, it was overrun with the Dixie Mafia and the State Line gangs, and he cleaned that shit out. I mean, that shit's for real. And a lot of the stuff in this film was pretty accurate. The one thing that isn't accurate, which is kind of interesting, is that he didn't have a son. He only had a daughter. Yeah, I know. That was... Uh, that bugs me i don't get it i don't know why they except they had the moments of him passing on the gun to him or whatever so maybe they wanted to give him like some father-son moments but they weren't that important i didn't really or maybe they just needed a reason to stick life i'm in guessing the that would probably be more the case probably I, I that's the one thing i never quite understood i'm like why you're gonna shoehorn in a son where well, he didn't have one they, they said, but they you know he right, did have right the, the, the dragnet opener the the ending that you know names and characters and blah 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 have been changed to you know whatever yeah but i mean you didn't have to invent like, i mean his daughter had the same name his wife had her real name uh, so it's like those were actually portrayed or portraying real life people why just randomly throw a son in there it was weird but you know i guess we need a reason to have leif garrett leif garrett in this movie so there um even though i don't know because he was really young at the time it's kind of funny in the span of like a year where all these movies take place he is the tallest nine-year-old i've ever seen in my life yeah he has like carl disease from walking dead (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I have always loved this film. There are some really amazing moments. I think John. I think Joe Don Baker brings a oh, man. He brings a ferocity to these films. Uh, just uh, just film. Like, you can see those the moments when yeah oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah you can see the moments when he's being when he's being very sweet. And then there are times when he is just you know the rage just pulsates out of him. And there's some really powerful moments. I love what he does with this role. And there's something 
very special about this film to me. I've always, always loved it. I love Grady. I think he's a great character. Um, actually, I love all the characters in this, even the bad guys. I think they're fantastic. And there's a scene in one of his lines that I absolutely love is when he's talking to the current sheriff before he gets elected sheriff. And he sees that the current sheriff is basically he is bowed down to the mo- to the mob like he um, he's paid for. Yeah, he is. And he doesn't uh, he doesn't care about what happens in this town. He doesn't care that the town's being overrun with gambling and whores and and, uh, you know, illegal liquor to the point of and it's not just, whoa, we don't want people to have fun. You know, it's to the point of where people are getting robbed and people are getting killed. You know, this illegal liquor is responsible for killing people, you know, Um, and. He, he doesn't care. He doesn't do anything about it because he's in the pocket. And there's a scene where Buford confronts him, and I fucking love it because he's like, I have known you since I was a kid. I always thought you walked tall, but now I see you learned how to crawl. And every time he says that, I want to fucking cry. I just I, – because the emotion is so raw. And the the uh, when he – like you see him fashioning his stick, and he's tired of the bullshit, you know? He's tired of the racism and he's tired of the bullshit and he's and which is interesting because there's a lot of casual racism thrown around here. But I mean to be totally honest, it's this was this the south in the 60s and it's the language was just the language. I mean it's it's now kind of cringy to hear it now uh, just when it's casually thrown around, but the thing is that's just that's that's the way it was, you know, and it's it's he like there's a line where he's trying to convince a guy to become a deputy and he's trying he's telling him he's talking about the illegal liquor and how it has killed eight African Americans. Yeah, he didn't say that. And I was saying, though, yeah. He does not say that. <laughs> he does not say that. But if you notice there's uh, it's just in the exchange between the two of them. It's understood I'm not saying this to be an asshole. I'm not saying this to be racist. I'm saying this just because it's a descriptor that is, this is the way it is, you know? And I can't really, I can't, it's not like I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just explaining it. No, That's the, just, in, in the scene, it's just the way it was. I think that know? was like that exclamation point to say, you know what, I'm, I'm really getting into this and I'm really putting a, the, putting a fine point on to say, you know, this is a well, serious and situation. He's, yeah, he's like saying, you know what, and he says, and he goes on to say, the sheriff wouldn't give a damn about those eight dead bodies because they're not his favorite color. Mm-hmm. But Buford is not racist. You know, he's saying, I want to help you. Fucking help me help you. And um, he gets tired of the bullshit. He gets tired of the bullshit and the fact that the real law isn't going to do anything about it. So he starts taking the law into his own hands, and then eventually he becomes sheriff. And then the law is really in his hands and hot damn. I just, whenever he starts going after somebody, I get the chills. Like, I'm just like, yes, you walk into that bar and beat the shit out of all of them with your stick because God damn it. They deserve it. You know, when he comes across the, when they're torturing the hooker and he finds out about it, his informer tells him and he goes busting in there and giving them what for plus in real life, 
Buford Husser was six foot five. He was an ex Marine. He's fucking huge. And, and the, so none of this is unbelievable that he would just sort of walk in and tear shit up. Now, obviously, some things were changed for dramatic purposes. Um, like in the end, um, they have this car driving by with several people shooting him up with like automatic weapons. And no, it didn't happen that way. Um, it, but it, I mean, this, you got the same result. His wife was killed and he was shot. He took three fucking bullets to the jaw and still survived. I mean, this man was shot, what, like eight times? He was stabbed seven times. Yeah. He was run over. <laughs> yeah, he was like ambushed three there times. Was, yeah, there were uh, four <laughs> assassination attempts on him and he just fucking wouldn't die. And uh, eventually they did get him. And even though this wasn't proven, his mother, his mother and his daughter believed Till they went to their graves. And incidentally, his daughter just died this year. So props to her. Um, she's on the documentary about Walking Tall, talking about her father. And um, yeah, I mean, it just that's sad to me. But at the same time, it's just kind of kismet that we ended up doing this series. Because when you bought the trilogy and when I was like, hey, I want to do that. And then when we decided to do it, I don't think any of us knew that his that his daughter just died this year so it's kind of weird you brought that up for sure yeah <clears throat> and um but anyway they went to their graves believing that he was set up and i believe it too i believe it was straight up murder because there were people in that town who never got over the fact that he cleaned that shit out and uh cleaned it out i mean they're still there there are still people there that that element i don't think ever really went away but they didn't have the stranglehold that they had and he's it's well, I mean, unreal he, he i don't a lot of people a lot of money so yeah that grudge is going to run deep and you know what i was thinking though i'm like you know this place is after he cleaned him out after he made him stop gambling and after he made him stop having the hooker rings and and the illegal liquor they they still yeah they weren't making nearly the money they were making before because what they were doing before is basically robbing people but what they managed to do, oh, like the scene where he grabs the guy's wrist when he's uh, when they first walk into the bar, like into the lucky spot. Oh, yeah. The first night he's there and he grabs the guy's wrist and makes him drop the dice because he knows it's fucked up. Yes. Um, <laughs> the courtroom scene where he's like showing the jury what they did to him. God damn, I love this movie. But anyway, the the um, yeah, yeah, he did cost him a lot of money and. But I was thinking, you know what? They're still doing pretty damn good legitimate business. Like, there's still a lot of people there drinking. So you're going to make money. It's not going to be the money you were making before, but you're going to make money. So just get over it. But <laughs> I don't know. And um, oh, also, incidentally, yes, he did shoot the woman. Now, her name wasn't Callie in real life. It was Louise. But he did actually shoot her. She tried to she called him down there. Or they got called him down to the bar. Yeah, on a burglary. Only she shot him or shot at him with a concealed thirty-eight, Whereas in the the film, she used a shotgun, obviously, for cinematic purposes, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. But he did actually nail her in the fucking head when he shot her. So that's cool. Um, (laughs) Just I know that this this kind of justice won't fly. Not anymore. But there's something there's something about it that I, I just. I just I watch it and I'm like, you know, fuck yes, because these people deserved everything he did. And he only did it. He didn't start shit with them. They started shit with him. So 
you know, I don't know. And kept coming. And yeah, and wouldn't fucking leave him alone. So there you go. That's Shmiel Suzanne. What's what's your feelings, babe? Oh God, I for I haven't watched this movie since I was probably fourteen or fifteen years old. I first time I've I've always been fond of it, but watching it again, I was I I I literally didn't want to blink. I lived in West Tennessee for a long time, and one of the companies Pat worked for was in Corinth, Mississippi, which is right on that state line. And one of the the supervisors was telling stories about, because he lived in the area during the Buford Pesser days. And it was fucking fascinating to actually hear you know, firsthand how fucking bad things were. That's awesome. And so, I mean, did he, was he on board with, um, I mean, basically, was it, in oh, his absolutely. point of view, was it pretty accurate that, yes. yeah, he cleaned that shit out? Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, they were, they were, the Dixie Mafia were forcing a lot of legitimate businesses to go out of business. Mm-hmm. They were, I mean, they just made life miserable for the people that lived there. You know, I mean, it was, you know, especially with, you know, the, if you don't know how to work still, you can easily poison 20 people. Easily. Oh, yeah. And I actually, at one point when we were driving back from Corinth, we went down the road and I did see the roadside monument to Buford. Uh. T, Buford Pesser, I think, I can't remember what his initial was. I don't know why I'm throwing the T in there. You know what? I do too, and I don't think I'm, I, I don't think it, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to, but I always do. I'm always like Buford T. Pusser, but I don't think it's right. I think, but, it, no, you know where it's coming from. Because his name was T. Buford. Justice. Yes, that's exactly where it's that's coming from. That's why. Because his name is actually Buford Hayes Pusser. So I was like, why do I keep wanting to call him Buford T. Pusser? But you nailed it. It's because of Buford T. Justice. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was Kermit the Frog. Kermit T. Frog. <laughs> but this is one of the, you know, I, I, you can't even call it a revenge movie. It's more of a a, a movie about justice and how hard he fought. Physically. It, physically, mentally, I mean, it destroyed him. It destroyed his family just because of the type of man he was. Anybody, a lot of other people would have just taken the money and looked the other way. And it's, like I said, there, I'm, I'm with you. There's so many scenes in this movie that just make your heart pound. And the scene in the courtroom is the one that makes my hair stand up when he rips his shirt yeah. open and you see all the scars and the stitches and you're like, Jesus. And he basically lays it at their feet and he's like, you allow them to do this to me. You're giving them every damn, every damn right to do it to any one of you. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'm even <laughs> talking about it. My hair is standing up. Me too. I've got <laughs> on my arms talking about it. Cause I just, yeah, I like, love I the fucking man. He's, he's a goddamn hero. He really, I mean, to me, he is, he was always somebody I looked up to he reminded me a lot of my own dad. Now, he just reminded because, me of you know, my grandfather. 
my grandfather was a sheriff's deputy and my grandfather didn't have a racist bone in his body. He treated everyone equally. Yeah. Well, my grandfather, when I say daddy, it's my grandfather. Uh, he was actually, uh, he was a sheriff's deputy for a while and he worked on the chain gang in Atlanta, like as a guard, not, um, but (laughs) no, (laughs) but he treated, he treated everyone fairly. He always did. And if you didn't fuck him over, then he wouldn't fuck you over. And that's just the kind of man he was. It was so he was so respected that when he left, there were prisoners who when they got out, they used to or ex-cons when they got out. They even from the time that because he was well into his um, his 50s by the time I was born and he had stopped working, doing those jobs a while back he was working for the city at that point and but old ex-cons used to come visit him did, did, because they remembered working under did he run him did, in the chain gang did he run all the egg eating contests in the chain gang <laughs> no but they built a lot of the roads in the city of atlanta <laughs> that's a cool hand luke joke if you guys don't get that joke i'm sorry <laughs> go watch cool hand luke when you don't listen to this but it's like that's why he reminds me so he always reminded me of him because that's that he was a good decent one of the best human beings I've ever known but if you crossed him or if you did something that he thought wasn't right then you know that he'd let you know it and he was just upstanding you know and I always remember him being very powerful because I was very little um so yeah I mean Buford Pusser always reminded me of him nice um this was a. I mean, oh, at, sorry. at the I'm just sorry. When we're at the risk of sounding toxic, he was a man, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly what I what I think people miss when I when I say this. He was a, a man, you know, masculine, manly. He yeah. had muscle tone. And I don't think there's any. I don't think that that should be a bad word. I don't think there should be anything wrong with that. What the hell is? <laughs> I mean. I'm sorry, Aid. What is the problem with wanting with men being, you know, men, men, men? Yes, I don't think there's a fucking problem with that. But I, I can't stand those that think there's a problem with it because it makes me ill. And I don't mean like I want Schwarzenegger running around. That's not. That's not what we're talking about. You know, that's not. That's that's not exactly at all what we're talking. That's not what he was. He's very svelte. This Joe Don Baker. You know, this movie. He he was built, but not really. He he had uh, you know, whatever. He kicked some ass though. Yeah. But um. I want to know if I were to walk into one of these places with on your arm that you would be able to fucking help me if something happened. I don't want to have to be the one responsible for doing the ass kicking if something happened. Well, Jamie, I don't mean I need I'm, I'm to save of, me. I just mean you need to be there next to I'm me. I'm a bit of a pacifist, Jamie, so I don't know, man. But uh. Not you. I don't know. <laughs> You don't have to. I just, what I mean is I don't want, you know, I don't know. I don't, somebody's going to get pissed off no matter what I say. Yeah, I, don't I know. Like, I don't really I, give a fuck. I'm actually going to say what you want to say, but you won't say it. And I don't care if anybody gets mad at me. You don't want a wussy dude. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, you know what? Yeah. Boil it down, boil it down to that. And it's fucking true. And sorry. No, we're not, wussy, we're not wussy women, you know? So I damn straight want somebody who's at least as strong as I am. Yeah. Now, if I got a Johnny Walker Black in me, then I'd fight a bear. Okay? <laughs> you know. Oh, man. All comers. Come on now. Uh, me. Uh, 
this movie, all all these movies are first time watches for me. I've only I've only seen the remake. That's not shameful. And it probably is. Which blows my mind because we're talking about Gary fucking Hill here, the guy who has I know everything. Shock I wasn't sperm when this movie came out at, at all. Yeah, you were a sperm when half the shit we talk about I'm comes just saying, out. There's a lot of stuff that I missed, and these, these this this is one of them. And uh, I, I enjoyed it pretty good. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to say it's bad. It, it, it's, 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 it's really good. I, for some reason, I always thought there was this. There was these were TV movies for some reason, but then you saw titties in the next one. Like that's not correct, you know. Um, <laughs> well, it's true, you know. They showed them on TV a lot. Yeah, but these were like just showing out, you know, and that's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I actually, when we were watching, um, whenever I watched it on Blu-ray, I'm like, and you see the part where the hooker's on the bed and she's naked and they're like torturing her, I was like, I never remember that part from when I was a kid <laughs> because they never showed that part on TV. <laughs> um, I don't know what, what, what Mrs. Puster was like in real life. <laughs> they made her dumber than, than Meryl Streep and in, in, uh, Silkwood in this movie because uh, there was the part in the end where we're of course, she meets her demise, where she just forgets all about her husband has like a like at least thirty enemies in that town that will shoot him in the face, and said, "Let's go for a ride, Buford." And then you know what? She gets horribly shot in, in through the windshield in in this movie. And yeah, yeah, that's just stupid right there. I mean, oh, she's all. It's about time I see what my husband does for a living. You mean almost get killed every damn day? That's what it's yeah. <laughs> There's so many people that hate him. They're they're willing they're willing to kill him and then she just goes for a leisurely ride, but I, I'm gonna get yeah. But there's got to be a part of her that goes yeah they hate him but you know what they kind of suck because <laughs> they've been trying to kill him forever and they can't do it. <laughs> that man's like Teflon. Nothing sticks to him. But too bad, unfortunately, Mrs. Busser wasn't because uh, yeah, she, she could shut up real good in this movie. When we were watching, um, like, one of the later ones, there's a scene where he basically takes blame. He, like, feels guilty because she got killed. He's like, it's my, you know, my fault or whatever. And Brian goes, <laughs> he's like, if her dumb ass had stayed at home see? and hadn't had to see her husband's job, she'd still be alive. <laughs> We'd have agreed. We're on the same page. I'm like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, my God. I can see it and not see it at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, her ass should have stayed home, but, you know, it's a nice day for a drive. No, yeah, I, yeah, I totally get it. I, I I do. But, I mean, Gary's right in that she was fully aware of the fact that he had uh, a lot of enemies, and oh my God, they, the dog. Yeah. Oh my God. At least they did that very, very... <sighs> they did it in a manner that did not upset me. Yeah, I know, honestly... I think it was one of his more powerful emotional moments. Like it just, when you saw his vulnerability at that moment, um, that I think was really, really good. And that over the, my awe of him in that moment kind of overpowered my own, what would usually be me being upset. <laughs> so I didn't, yeah, I didn't get, ups- I didn't get upset by it, but yeah, it was done really well. Um, I'm not used to this Joe Don Baker in, in this movie because I've every Joe Don Baker role I've seen, he's either been like the you know, like he's either being like laughed off like in joysticks or in being this very or being like a very doughy idiot in a lot of things. So him being like this big, you know, time lawman who wants is fighting injustice with this fucking massive piece of wood 
was um yeah talk about the the, the 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 big piece of lumber he carries not his dick but I imagine that's very ample as well yeah but uh, <laughs> he is a, he he made an imaginary kid for fuck's sake but uh uh I I never seen him I never seen him as like an action star but he pulls it off real well in this movie just tearing up people and the brutality of this film is something else because when when Buford gets fucked up he gets fucked up bad and it's all shown on screen and and that's really great and I I love his his relationship we talked about earlier with with Oprah his 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 black his only black deputy in all the town I I think that's pretty great Um, yeah that, that was very necessary him using that slur just to really put the exclamation point on the scene and make this point with him to say you know what that they they don't care about him but I, I care about everybody yada 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 and that really opened his eyes and I thought that was a really powerful scene a lot of powerful stuff in this movie um I, I like his relationship with with the folks his 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 family you know the fact that he, he come back to town after having this apparently storied wrestling career as Buford the Bull when I seen the painting on the side of that trailer <laughs> It's like, it looked like one of those cheap wrestling dolls that you would get from the dollar store that wasn't quite Hulk Hogan, but it looked like him, you know? Like, short and stocky, kind of like a Masters of the Universe figure, but, um, that's what the painting reminded me of. It didn't match, didn't match him at all, because he wasn't, like, crazy muscle-bound, but he could tear some shit up. Um, I think a lot of Buford's problems in this film were... were (laughs) His, his own vanity to say, I'm going to get stuff done, but I'm going to do it as recklessly as I possibly can. Because he almost, he almost dies like eight times in this movie, it, it, at least. Just by saying, let's go in there and get this still. And let's go in there and get this gambling house. And let's go in there and do this. And uh, I, I I think it's really great in the film, but at the same time, like, this is just dumb old hillbilly, isn't it? Just fucking tearing up some shit. Fighting people that are probably way more powerful than he is, but he's he's gonna fucking go out there and do some shit and fight some injustice. And I, I respect him as a man, and I respect him as a character in this film, for for that reason. But homeboy is dumb, and uh, I I loved it though. I, I really do. Um, Jamie touched on a bunch of points in this film that I'm not gonna get into, but all of it's true. I mean, sorry, no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I kind of figured I would if I if I got to go first. I knew I would spew. No, that's okay. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna spew, spew into this. But uh, uh, the the end of the film, you know, were, were yeah, they, they had the, the funeral and yada yada yada. I mean, left it very open ended. I'd imagine if they thought this was gonna be a success, they'd do other ones. But then you got other ones. But they they said it all as a whole. Just this movie. It would end on a very somber note. Buford gets his face shot off. His fucking wife is a fucking shot up corpse woman. It's bad. Again, she's fucking stupid. I'll throw it out there all day long. I'm sure they were going to get you eventually, and they did, Mrs. Buster. But in this movie, this whole the whole time, she's like suspecting, oh, maybe you should stop doing this. Well, maybe you should stop doing this. But you know what? The enemy is still out there. Let's go for a fucking ride, Buford. It's nice outside. You know, she didn't say it like that, but... You know, she had the mentality of, we got no worries now. You got lots of worries because there's lots of psychotic people out there that are still waiting to kill you. And her death is a travesty, in my opinion, for that reason. Because she's so suspecting throughout the entire film of everything that he's doing. All of a sudden, she's like, you know what? We had one win. Let's go for it. And, yeah, 
that happen. But all in all, a, a good time. Uh, sad time. Yeah, you know, we didn't get those sequels. I don't know what I would have done in my life. Just uh, just to think about Buford's dead, stupid wife, and you know, and him having half a face. I imagine it's about as gross as that scene in History of Violence where Steve McCaddy got his face shot off and it's just dripping down. But no, I won't get into that now. But uh, I'll kick it to Jamie. Anything else she'd like to say about the film that she hasn't said already? Uh, go for it. Uh, no, I don't think there's probably anything left. <laughs> if there's any doubt, I kind of love it. Kind of does, Yes. What's your rating? What the ten suit, uh, Jamie? I gave it a ten. Damn, a fucking ten. A fucking ten. I, I, yeah. I can never get enough of this movie. Um, I, after talking about it, I really just want to watch it again. <laughs> I just looked up my favorite scene and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> I, just, I, I can't get an. I can't. I can't get enough. It means so much to me. So. And if you were an Amazon Prime subscriber, you could. Go watch this movie right now because it's on it's on Amazon Prime streaming. So, and one of these days I'm going to that Buford Pusser Museum. <laughs> I'm sure it exists. Tom, next time I go visit my mom, I'm going to the Buford Pusser Museum. Buford Pusser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to that museum. Damn it! I did, I've just gotta sometime go down to Tennessee. <laughs> oh boy, Suzanne. Any of the other thoughts? And what's your rating? One to ten. Oh, the only thing I want to touch on is, I guess I watched a lot of Joe Don Baker movies before you started watching them because he was always kind of a kind of a tough guy in his early movies, and it pissed me off seeing him as kind of that dumbed down character. Yeah, me too. This is how I know him. Yeah, exactly. This is how I always knew him. And yeah, this movie, and it's other than the. A mysteriously appearing son. Uh, <laughs> the bulk of the movie is fairly accurate. Yeah, yeah. I'm. This is also one of those rare movies that does get a ten out of a ten for me. Yay! I think the Bu- it's perfect. I think the Buford sperm is so powerful that he sired a son from beyond the grave <laughs> and put him in this movie. Also, incidentally, Buford Pusser was himself a technical advisor on this film. Yeah. And uh, for obvious reasons, he wasn't on the next ones. But there's actually a little more to that story, too. But he, you know, he was he supervised this film or was there in some form. And. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty dead on. I mean, there are some things that they add. There are a lot of names and stuff that they change. But I don't think there's any question as to why they would do that. But, and a lot of things that, you know, a lot of times you have to fill in the gap as far as conversations go that no one would be privy to. But, yeah, I mean, the major events, that's, that was the deal, so. He literally showed Joe Don Baker how to swing, literally, you know. I don't know if he did it or not, but, you know, there you go. His character in Congo always kind of reminded me of this character, not because he was because his character in Congo is a dick, but his um whoa whoa what's happening? <laughs> um, but because of the way his his delivery, like when he get when he would get angry at the end of Congo, like when she's threatening to blow up the diamond or whatever, um, he uh you know he just he gets really just. Fired up and angry, and it reminds me of this Joe Don Baker. 
But what happens when he messes with somebody's sesame cake uh, there, Jamie? I don't know. <laughs> Stop eating my sesame cake! <laughs> oh, I need to watch that movie again. That was way off. I had to bring it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's totally off for you. Totally. You know. <laughs> oh, me. Yeah, first time watch. It, it was it was good all the way through. I mean, these people would say these films are probably overly long. I think those people are kind of stupid. Because there's nothing really that's convoluted or anything. It, it's all there on the screen. But it's about, it's about, I'm going to say, to be fair, my first time watching, I had to watch it again. That's an 8 out of 10 for me. Just, just to give it a little lower rating than, than if I say, hey, I was dynamite impressed with this film. It's a 10 out of 10. It's like, no, i got to watch it again and go look into more of the lore of, of one Buford H. Pusser. And so there you go. But uh, up next, after the break, we're going to talk about Walking Tall Part 2 after this. Says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River She's a gold dry The interest is up And the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged If you go downtown I live back in the woods You see A woman and the kids And the dogs and me I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. I can plow a field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Make our own whiskey and our own smoke, too, ain't too many things these old boys can't do We grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't starve us out and you can't make us run From the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western skies. And we can skin a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. I had a good friend in New York City. He never called me by my name, just Hillbilly. My grandpa taught me how to live off the land, and his taught him to be a businessman. He used to send me pictures of the Broadway nights, and I'd send him some homemade wine. But he was killed by a man with a switchblade knife For $43, my friend lost his life 
I'd love to spit some beach nut in that dude's eyes And shoot him with my old 45 Cause a country boy can survive Country folks can survive Cause you can't stop us out And you can't make us run Cause with them old boys raised on shotgun We say grace, we say ma'am If you ain't into that, we don't give a damn We're from North California and South Alabama And little towns all Land. We can skin a buck and run a trot line and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Country boy can survive. Country folks can If anything ever happens to me, I want you to be sure you finish telling my story. More than 70 million people saw Walking Tall and met Sheriff Buford Pusser, a true-life hero. Now, part two of Walking Tall tells the story Buford wanted told. It answers the questions people asked him. What happened to Buford's children? I love you, Daddy. Come home soon. I'm taking care of things real good. I know you are, son. Did Buford find the people who murdered his wife? I'll be damned if I can understand you, Buford. The only way I can get to the man at the top is by tearing away from the bottom on up. No matter who you destroy. There's no man or thing that's going to talk or scare him out of it. Because this is a job he's going to want to finish himself. Hey! So put that down, I'm going to take your head off. Did they try to get Buford again? We crashed him out over 100 miles an hour. Loaded all that dynamite under the hood of that car. I, was... I don't know how you do it. Just do it. It's a setup. Buford has been shot. Come on, let's go. What really happened to Buford Pusser? Well, now, this coming week, you happen to read about a certain car accident he's going to have. Part two of Walking Tall is a true story. Bo Swenson authentically portrays the man who reached out and touched a nation. See what happened to his children, his parents, and his friends. Look out! Someone destroyed my family! My children are motherless and a killing man at the top. And that's who I'm after. Part two, Walking Tall, is his story. Walking Tall, part two. Ah, uh, you keep a plot synopsis of this. A sheriff view from Pusser. Pusser. Continues his one-man war against moonshiners and ruthless crime syndicate in the in the murder after the murder of his wife. I said, I said and after the murder of his wife in late 1960s Tennessee. Ah, uh, this kind of replaced um, Joe Don Baker in a way. I have a I have a weird theory about this, <laughs> and I think it really works in the content of the in the context of the movie. Uh, but by Bo Bo Spenson, who's a uh, been an action star in a lot of stuff I've seen, so that, that, there's a plus there. And you talked about aging in, in films, <laughs> you know, that Leif Garrett grew like a foot or something. I think uh, Oprah's character, who's played by an actor called Robert Doquie in this movie, aged about 30 years, you know, because <laughs> he looks rather old. And I was trying to picture where I've seen him from. He's the captain in all three RoboCop films, so th there's, there's that. 
Um, oh, you got a promotion. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Q is dying in that pimp hat. Didn't stop him. Though. Yes, Pinky Dobson. There's there's a a lot of return characters like Jamie mentioned. A lot of the same actors. And um, we're gonna go into this now. I'm gonna let Suzanne take the lead on this one. Walking Tall Part Two, Suzanne from 1975. I didn't mention that. Uh, what do you think about it, girl? Well, like I said, well with sequels, they usually start going downhill. This one, it's not as good as the first one, but it's still, it it continues telling the story of Buford Passer. And I do, once again, as you just mentioned, uh, a lot of the carryover cast. And and like I said, I I really wish Jodan Baker had stayed on because if you look at the actual pictures of Buford Passer, okay, I just love saying it, so I'm going to say it as much as I can. There's actually a bit of a resemblance between the two. And I love Bo Svensson, don't get me wrong, but he's too pretty. He's got a Chuck Connors vibe going on for me. And so that was just... (laughs) No, I just... He's... I I just think he was just a little too good-looking. And once again, you know, Pusser kind of had part of his face shot off. Yet he was... Perfect. That's like a weird like thing that makes this this actor change work for me. Is that since he had half his face shot off, then they had to do all this reconstructive surgery, he probably would look like somebody else. So maybe they they gave him like more more chiseled features than the doughy Joe Don <laughs> Baker. I know, it just still it was even back when I watched these when I was younger, it's still kind of a I I still get like that moment of I'm not so sure about this. I mean, Bo did a great job not taking anything away from him. And for me, this one, once again, it's more of a continuation of the story, but it seems like they built up some of the events to be more than they actually were. I mean, you you know the corruption ran really deep, and Buford's always, you know, he's he is that guy. He wants to save everybody. He wants to save everybody from themselves. And the one person he doesn't save from themselves is himself. Mm-hmm. And this one had just a much... There is... You just see the, the hits getting closer and closer. And like I said, this one... I just... I, I, I kind of have a hard time with this one. Especially because the ending... Maybe I'll just start at the ending. Um, if no one minds if I go backwards. Go for it. At the very end of the movie, you get the the little narration about how he was killed, and you know his his good friend Orbo is killed in his place. But you know they tampered with the brakes, and you you, you would I just I I just have a few issues with this movie. You know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it there. I'm probably gonna add a few comments here and there, but I just I don't know. I just I I just have some issues with this movie. Cool, Jamie. Well, I think it's funny. Um, I had run across a newspaper article from the time that has a side by side photo of Bo Swenson um, and um, Buford Pusser, and the the headline reads. Uncanny resemblance gives new life to lawman's story. <laughs> I just think that's funny because I don't, 
I mean, I guess if you look at these two photos side by side, okay, but they kind of clearly picked the two photos of them that would make that happen. Um, any other time I thought, you know, John Jodan Baker was a pretty good, although he was a little unkempt, you know, um, Buford Pusser was an ex-Marine, so I feel like he would have been a little... A little more fastidious. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, I... My issues with this film, I do have some. I love the fact that we have a lot of the same cast. I wish Joe Don Baker had returned, but from what I understand, and this was when I read um, a review written by Roger Ebert when this movie came out, was basically that he was unable to uh, because something like he had wrecked his car at the time or something. I don't know. Ed, Ed, there was a reason. I forget now what he said, but there was a reason that he was unable to do this role. So they brought in Bo Svensson, which I think is fine. I, he, I mean, I like him and I like him as an actor. I think that they do two completely different portrayals, though, because I feel like the Joe Don Baker Buford Pusser is very raw and uh, brutish at times and definitely brooding. And the Bo Svensson. But portrayal brings a levity to the role that doesn't necessarily fit. But then because of that, the whole tone of the film seems a little bit different. And to me, it's a little more lighthearted than the first one. And then this is this one to me feels more like an action film. And when we get into the third one, it's totally different tonally. You know, I mean, we're talking like straight up comedy in a lot of places, which I think is just bizarre. Um, but, yeah, I just don't feel like they're the same character. Um, now, I like him and I like his character in the film. It's just I don't I cannot connect it with the Joe Don Baker character from the first film. It just feels very different. I do like the fact that they're continuing the story. I do like the fact that they go into a few more things, although as we get into the sequels, I kind of feel like a lot more of that is made up, um, especially into the third one. But what I think is interesting is there is a bit coming up where he talks about how he was going to play himself in the sequels to the first film. And then, of course, he was, I say murdered. I be, I fully believe he was murdered. But, um, And that's true. He was going to play himself in the sequels that was he had just finished doing some negotiations about playing himself in the sequels and then it didn't obviously work out for you know because he's obviously. dead yeah. um yeah <laughs> so i mean that that is true like that was going to happen and then it didn't happen so then we have his father because he's dead we have his father being the technical advisor on this film so i think this becomes a kind of a, a weird mixture of yes some things that did actually happen and then some things that they just came up with to try to fill out the gaps and make it an interesting story i do think it's an interesting film i do think it's entertaining I kind of feel like it's a little all over the place at times, but it just doesn't feel as streamlined to me as the first one. So while I enjoy it, I think that the first film overall is just a much better made film. But it, you know, I still have, I still enjoy this one. And I've seen this one probably four times or so, not nearly as many times as I've seen the first one. Um, but 
you know, I mean, it's a it's a movie I'll watch, but it's not one that I get excited about. Whereas I get excited about the first one. I think the, the maybe it is his portrayal that was the big disconnect for me. I, I mean, yeah, I, was, I, I even wrote down me. a couple of things when I was watching it and I was reading my notes. I'm like, I still just I'm just having a hard time put, putting together what I want to say about it. And it, I think it's it's just the disconnect. Yeah, I think I think that's a thing. Um, I guess this feels more like I'm watching a movie not about a real person, but um, like an action film. And I think it's because I have come to associate Joe Don Baker with the real person. And this isn't him. And maybe that's it. I do think his demeanor has a lot to do with it because he just is a lot more jovial. And I think that has a, a whole lot to do with it. But there are a lot of things about this film I do enjoy. Um, yeah, me. I mean, I think a, a lot of what you guys are saying about the the changeover from tone is, you know, you felt you, you can get behind Joe Don Baker as Buford in the first movie because he seems like he's doing all this stuff for his children and for the community to make it better from where they live. And in these next two movies, this one and the next one is he's kind of a superhero, kind of in a way. Like the the, the legends there, everybody knows. They clean this town. See, he's got this sense of arrogance to him that I can't really explain, but it's it's there. It's it's like it's like yeah, I got my face I made my face shot off, and yeah, I I know because he's very aware of everything. I mean, there's 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 a a plot point in the movie to where <laughs> they've done this in like tons of cheesy action movies where they send the hot girl that's on their squad to go try to you know, seduce him. Well, this this film has that girl. You get to see her her. Her ample breasts. They're, they're nice looking people. You know. <laughs> she she was gonna come to get him assassinated at that thing, but show him show her him his boobies all day long. But that there's that he's I was so sick of her southern accent. He, oh I know, it was awful. Oh Sheriff Pussa. <laughs> like, I know how to play my game. And I'm like, Oh honey, please you're gonna make me vomit. <laughs> and then when his secretary was like, She's a real pain in the neck, I'm like, Yes, she is. Like I don't get that at all. She's like, I know when men are interested. Like, seriously? Really? You think, yeah, no, you're, no. <laughs> She's coming to no. rely on the kindness of strangers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she have, and she's talking about him about some total nonsense. Like, he's going to give a fuck about the old books that you have in your library. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? We just, you sure do have some real nice old books, Sheriff Puss. We just don't have these volumes at the university, you know. <laughs> she is terrible, you know, but she's really. I'd like to see some of those back rows. <laughs> I love he's like lots of lots of friendly people back. Lots of friendly people back down there. Go do you know? Basically, go drive around if you want to. <laughs> oh God! Oh, so she that, that that scene there where he's like very aware of everything she's done. He's not saying there's a scene where he feels suspect of her, except for the scene where he's talking to the secretary and says she's a real pain in the neck, yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah, by the way, I know it's your alias. And by the way, I know you've done all these things. And by the way, and by the way, and by the way, you're under arrest, bitch. No, no. <laughs> he just chooses to leave her there with, with his assassins and just drive away like they don't know where she is. Like, that's a real threat. And she never comes up again. So it's not like... Like yeah, this is gonna come back to haunt you. It it should, but it doesn't. Not 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 in this movie. Um, I I, I 
it's not as brutal as that first film. But I mentioned the brutality of that first film, just the viscera of it that the that really showed on screen. This is just him, you know, cleaning up, cleaning up these bootleggers and cleaning up these these people that are trying to kill him. And um, this this is this is the one right where he's, yeah. <laughs> I thought he did some real clever stuff too, though, where he put the scotch tape on his hood to say, "Yeah, somebody's gonna try to make me explode." And you know what? Yeah, th th somebody did. The, the guy in the film, he looks exactly the same as he did like ten years later in Adventures in Babysitting. So it's it's not a question of who that is. He's the he's the mob boss in Adventures in Babysitting. Go take the Brady Bunch upstairs or some shit. Whatever the fuck he says, but um. This guy's constantly trying to kill him and constantly getting foiled, especially in the scene where he finds the the obvious sticks of dynamite on on the on the engine of the car or whatever. It's like, yep, try to get me, but yeah, they do get you because your fucking friend dies after saying. Another scene of stupidity in one of these movies is when poor Obra says, "You know, I'm gonna drive the sheriff's car. I'm have a real good time too." Not thinking that this guy's trying to sabotage his car and maybe it might be a good idea for him not to drive his car and not to go 90 miles an hour where he, you know, he thought he could stop, but obviously he couldn't stop. And that that was a, a oversight on this movie's part, an oversight on the very arrogant Sheriff Pusser. Um, I love the scene where Buford pulls over the, the lumber dr car truck driver and <laughs> say. Oh, that's great. He's got it all figured out, too. He's like, yeah, you, you drove this truck by way too many times. You may have booze in here. <laughs> right, but, yeah, I've, I've always loved scenes like that where he's, like, knocking around the, the, the top to see where the hollow part is. And, of course, he is hauling booze. And, yeah, it's like a, it's like a fucking Dukes of Hazard episode. All you need was Boss Hog and this motherfucker. Is it the second or the third one when Luann comes back? Is that the third movie? I think so, but um, yeah, this is this. It was a good time because it it felt a lot more silly than the first one, and that tonal shift may turn people on or turn people off. It kind of it kind of made me you know forget about that his wife was dead. Like yeah, that that downer of an ending is replaced by Buford's back. He's got a brand new face. And he's come to clean up the town. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of down. I love when the little girl's like, when your badge just come off, is it going to look funny? He's going to look like a brand new man, honey. Right, yeah, we're, we're watching it. Brian goes, I'm going to be a brand new man. It's good. His kids are still his kids. I mean, you had the, the son, his, his phantom son, say, yep, I'm the man of the house now. I've been doing real good, Pa, shit like that. Stuff like that was real touching, because, again, he was in the hospital for eight months, so he, he had to, like, take the mantle, but not really because the grandfather was there to say I'm the man of the house. Stepped up to be the man of the house. Gotta love those, gotta love those phantom babies. You know, they, they become the man of the house. Or the phantom man of the house. I don't, I don't know. I'm done. <laughs> but it's fun. I, I really enjoyed my time with this movie. Uh, the the end that wasn't open at all makes it really confusing for what you get in the next movie, right? Let me tell you, we'll get into that real soon. But um, that's about it. Both both Spencer has always been an actor I enjoyed, and he's just playing that character in this movie, but not not really the character you saw in the last movie. A really amped up, 
you know, angry, uh, I, I guess, angry slash arrogant uh, Buford Pusser in this movie. But I'm going to kick it to Suzanne and ask her anything else she'd like to say about the film and why she gave it 1 to 10. Oh, this is one I'm, I'm going to need a rewatch on because I, I only watched this one once. You know, I, well, I watched it when I was younger and rewatched it today. And like, I was just, I, I really just had a, just a bad disconnect with it. And I just, I, I can't really rate it that high. It's, I, my rating will change after a rewatch, but it just was, it, it just was a different view for Pesser. And I'm probably, I'm going to say about a seven for me. Okay. That's, that's fair. Uh, Jamie. Uh, you know, I still did really enjoy it, but n- not for the same reasons that I love the first one so much. And it feels like a completely different thing to me at times. And then, you know, when you see people like Grady pop up or his family or, uh, you know, then it feels a little more familiar. But the just like I said, the tone is very different to me. And it um, it almost seems like they were trying to go in the direction of making a cereal out of it. You know, like like what's his what's his bad guy is going to be this week, like a Dukes of Hazard kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Um, which of course, uh, this being made when it was made, that would not even surprise me if they had attempted to make a TV show out of it. But, um, anyway, I, I'm going to go an eight. I do still really like it. It's just very different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read, I read the last one an eight. So I, I have to go lower with this one because it's not, it's not the same quality of film, but I still enjoy the hell out of it. So I'm going to give it a seven. Because I think Bo does a real fine job as, as a replacement, but pl- playing a, a very different, playing the same character but in a very different tone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I'm not explain it. I try to think of an example of somebody who replaced somebody that I still enjoy the performance, but it was a very different tone because it's happened a ton, and uh. The different Darrens and Bewitched. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great example. <laughs> Actually, that's a great example. Yeah, because I like them both, you know, and I, and I don't think it hurts the show, and I don't think it hurts this show either, but, um... Yeah, they're both dicks. Yeah, they're both, they're both, they're <laughs> both dicks. Dick Sergeant. And Dick York. Yes, Sergeant York. See? You yeah. know? Uh, next up is, um... Thank y'all for explaining that to the youngins out there that might not get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show so far, but, uh, next up... <laughs> This might all fall apart right here, because the plot sure as fuck does in Walking Tall, the final chapter, right after this.
America applauded Tennessee Sheriff Buford Pusser's true life heroism in the walking tall motion pictures. Hold it, Pusser. The space is closed. Everybody out! Now, all new, final chapter, Walking Tall, brings you the emotionally charged climax. McNary County does not need a new Wyatt Earp to come in and shoot my bad guys. Bad James Bacon says, Buford Pusser walks taller than ever before in final chapter, Walking Tall. But there's something wrong with the law that protects the guilty and don't care about the innocent. This ain't McNary County. Ain't no kind at all, so you're just another sucker here, Sheriff, that's all. After all the pain and the hurt and the grief that that job has brought to you, you really like being Sheriff. There was only one way to stop him. Get him! Get him! You'll say, Buford Pusser, now there was a man. Don't miss the best and final chapter, Walking Tall. Walking Tall, the final chapter. It's from 1977. It consists of a lot of the guys you've seen last time in this movie. And um, the plot synopsis is this. Buford Pusser's last days as sheriff of McNary County, Tennessee in 1970 and his subsequent death in 1974. Now, the end of this movie is very confusing because you have the the, the the whole diatribe about them having the his massive sign up and saying Sheriff Buford Pusser died in an auto accident in 1974 yada 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 but you thought it was over it's like no they kind of Evil Dead 2 this shit and I know Jamie hates Evil Dead 2 but they say you know what we're gonna do this all over again we're, we're gonna you know sh show you hey guess what this is kind of just a continuation like the end of the movie the last movie never happened and we're going to kick it into high gear with Jamie and ask her, what does she think about Walking Tall, the final chapter? Well, remember when I talked about how the sequel felt like it was trying to, attempting to serialize this thing? This one uh, went way farther into that with the whole, look at these wacky kids stealing my car. Now we're having this car chase with this other sheriff and we're driving around and it's all goofy because we're going through this barn. And then as we're talking, then the barn falls and, and, you know, here comes some sound effects that, but I mean, not really, but they should have been there. Um, we get a scene in the beginning where he rescues this kid from an abusive father. And then we get to see him take him to an orphanage and see him off. Cause that means something to it. It doesn't, I mean, it, the whole scene with his dad does culminate into something else, but it's not the whole, we don't need to go to the orphanage with him. Uh, but <laughs> that just, I don't know. It just, it felt like a lot of vignettes to me, like that you would see in a seventies TV I mean, show. Was anybody else upset that he couldn't give the kid another shirt before he took him to this fucking ranch? <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, little, hey, um, little. He gave him a cheeseburger and a milkshake. You can't give him. Hey, Junior. Show him a fucking t-shirt. You want a chocolate chip cookie? Fuck your clothes. Come on now. Ain't never had none. <laughs> now, I did like the fact, I did like the scene where he whipped the dad because I felt like that felt like old Buford Pusser to me. Mm -hmm. Where he was beating the shit out of the father, you know, and I was like, all right, that feels that feels about right. Um, it's just there were things that were s 
straight up played for comedy in this. And I, the whole time I'm like, and well, I don't think it's a hard watch. Like I, I don't have difficulty watching it. I'm just like, who is this guy? Because this, this should not be a comedy. I mean, but I guess, do they feel that that's where they had to go at the third film? Were they trying to do like a Smokey and the Bandit kind of thing? Maybe I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they took on the tone that they did, but it was purely comedic at certain points. The tone was way different and it got very meta, which Gary mentioned in our messages. And, and yeah, that's a, that's an interesting word for it. Um, now they did actually, rather than give us the note at the end of the film, like they did at the end of the last one with this one, they did actually give us his death. I mean, uh, um, and it was it was straight up how it happened. Yeah, so we, we got to talk about that scene because that wasn't a dummy fall; that was a human being flying out of that car. Right, and you could tell. Yeah, it was. That's, it was. Yeah, that's like irresponsible. Well, I mean, stunt it's the '70s stunts. I mean, people died doing '70s stunts. And that guy should have died. I, I hope he's alive, the stuntman, or, or look back to <laughs> this movie. Yeah, it was a it was a badass car wreck too. And also, um, now, is this the film, or was it the second one where Luann came back and he burned down the bar? No, he burns down the bar in this one. Yeah. Was it this Mm -hmm. one? Okay. Because that's a, that was a, yeah, that's right. Because I remember thinking, well, that's dark. You know, that they tortured Luann. I mean, straight up tortured her. They didn't just beat her. They straight up tortured her with some cables. Um, That was, again, brutality, man. That was totally brutal. And then, you know, to death, we saw her dead body. And then he just went ham on this bar, which was awesome. And her, mo- and her uh, mouth was wide open, which is kind of con- concerning. Like, maybe they were trying to, like, do stuff to the corpse. I'm, I'm thinking really yeah. morbid here, but, you know, th- it could have been, you know. Could have been. But, yeah, they did some... They, that's the weird thing, is that juxtaposed against these straight-up comedy bits are these really dark bits intense scene in these intense scenes and it's just it's kind of a weird amalgamation and then um but i do like those intense scenes like i love the scene where he goes to the bar and just tears shit up like that's fantastic because in the second film he didn't even really use his stick a lot he walked around with it, but he didn't do much with it. In this one, he was beating the shit out of people left and right. And I'm like, all right, that's that's cool. He should have did that. And then we got the intensity of the very end of the film where it's, you know, his actual death. And they did a really good job portraying that as it actually happened. Um, now, of course, they interject what um, kind of a, a, um, an idea of how they think it would have gone. And I honestly believe that's true, but there's no proof of that. But, you know, I go along with that. I love the scene at the end though, where the New York mob guy is, he turns to his, he turns to the guy, you know, next to him. And he's like, that hit we've got on Witter, go ahead with it. Like he is sick of his bullshit, like his whiny, whiny bullshit. Um, I do, and but it's like he even he has some funny moments where they get to the house after he because he ran to New York, um, after the but after Buford's wife got killed, the widow ran to New York. But then at one point he comes back down to Tennessee, 
And when he gets back to the house, there's the woman on the porch, and he's like, who's that fat ass? And the guy's like, that's Sally. And he's like, oh. And then a little bit later, the guy's like, can I have a drink? And he's like, yeah, 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 go ahead. And as he's walking by her, he's like, I'm sure there's a Diet Cola in the kitchen. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. But it was funny. But it's weird. Like, why is it so funny? Like, why why are we doing this? It just doesn't fit. I don't know. I don't know what their attempt was. The only thing I can think of was the popularity of things like Smokey and the Bandit must have bled into this film, and they felt that they needed to go in that direction. That is the only thing I can think of to justify the tone of this film. Otherwise, I got nothing. Uh, But it was bizarre. I think you're incorrect about that. That sounds about exactly correct. Oh, my God. Suzanne, what'd you think of a girl? Yeah, well, once again, a watchable movie. But the whole thing just felt like it was piecemealed together. Because you've got just completely different bits that barely fit together. Yeah, yeah it's like, I agree with Jamie, because there was, like, the some parts that were really, really hilarious. And then when they beat Luann to death and torture her to death, and that's just dark. It's a really fucking weird mix. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's it's watchable. I'm not saying that it's not, but you can tell they were definitely milking the cash cow on this one. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not a... Buford Passer movie anymore. Yeah, and Grady is barely in it. I mean, he is in maybe three or three minutes, you know. Uh, It's, yeah, he is hardly in this film at all. And I, which is a shame because I have always liked his character. I really enjoy his character. And he just kind of, he's basically whittled down to a cameo by the time you get to the third film. Yeah. And I mean, it's like the. The, the scene where he walks into the double deuce and who comes around the corner but Luann. And you could just see his see him just put his head down. And that was one of those, like, you know, human feeling moments in the movie. He's just incredibly let down after she told him that she was in real estate and he'd got out of the game and wasn't doing that anymore. And it was... You know, they did the, the him losing the election. But, I mean, they that was just kind of... I think that's about the only thing that was factual other than his death in this movie. Yeah. And, like I said, for me, it just... It was just... It just seemed like a bunch of bits that they edited together. And it just doesn't... It's, like I said, it's... For me, this one is just... It's a movie, it's watchable, but it's not what the original movie's intention was. Yeah, it, right. It, like, right. It sucks the heart out of it. Not not as bad as like a rollerball remake or nothing like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, he, he's become a cartoon character at this point, and you know, you lose a lot of heart there in the process. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was basically an action hero, mm-hmm. you know, or a vigilante justice hero or uh, whatever. And I could totally see them attempting to spin this off into a television series. It would air right next to 
Dukes of Hazard. Well, they did. Yeah. They, they had a, they, it was only seven episodes, but I really want to watch it now because I heard the way it ends, which is basically him breaking his giant piece of lumber and like it's like symbolic. Like this is the. Was it Bo Svensson that played him? Bo Svensson. It was only seven episodes, I guess. Wow. Well, then, son of a bitch, then everything makes total sense now. <laughs> and I need to see that. I'm not sure if it's available. I, 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 if I could find it, I'll, I'll send it your way. But, um, yeah, what I thought about this film is, um, it's kind of like we did this about the series on Sloppy Seconds, and it reminds me of the beginning of Return of Sabata, where he's had the whole, the whole cartoony, you know, Wild West show. Well, this is the whole cartoony Walking Tall show starring Bo Svensson to where he does random tasks and his biggest worry in this in this town is stopping bootleggers at this point and then not getting reelected because the other candidate had a bus for the old ladies when it was raining outside. That's what I gather from this this uh this exchange because they made a point to say, Hey, you know what to vote for, right this way, right this way, ma'am and uh that was that was wonky. Um I, I there's certain parts of stuff that I really liked, you know, and I like this this cheesy because that's all it's become a cartoon. This is a cheesy action movie at this point, with some serious tones. Like when he loses the election, there's genuine, you know, problems to think that he's not going to be there to to get for his children. They have the whole spiel about this is what you you made last year after paying for all this shit that got broken and paying your deputies this this extra stuff and. He'll end up with a thousand dollars the year before, and and uh, so there's <laughs> there's the meta point. I forgot to mention the beginning of this film because it basically pulls every Batman origin story that you've ever seen on screen happens in this movie because he gets to, you get to relive the death of his wife, but with him behind the wheel going yeah yada yada going on a sunny drive. And guess what? She gets killed all over again. So you get that 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 same ending from the first movie. In the beginning of this movie, I guess that's to justify saying, Hey, in case you missed the two movies before, I'll show you it again. And then he gets to watch it again, because there's a point in this movie <laughs> to where they say, You know what, we're going to make your life into a major motion picture. It's really, really nice. Not that voice, you know, but it's like, yeah, I'll do it because my family's turned to shit. And we're going to lose the farm, so you know what, I'm going to take a bullet. And then have to go sit in the movie theater and go relive that all over again because you can see like the anguish on his face. If anybody's ever seen Hardcore with George C. Scott, oh my god, yeah. I love that movie. He's like watching the movie with his his daughters in the porno, and he's like, I forget the line, but he's basically screaming in the George C. Scott fashion to turn it off. And uh, you can tell the anguish on his face. Like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Let's go to the premiere. And relive the death of my wife again. He forgot about that aspect. He was so excited about this film made debated based on his life that reliving this on screen would be like a non flashback for him. And uh that was real dumb. And then of course <laughs> of course they got they got money now, so yada yada yada. Everything's fine and dandy. And you know what? He, he's driving recklessly and he flips his car over in a spectacular fashion. Because, like I mentioned before, you see the body fall of the car. You could tell there was a human being. I mean, we, we were talking about canon films and other episodes of the show, and there's a lot of dummy falls in that film, and a lot of dummy falls in, in action films, like from the 80s and stuff. But this is the 70s, to where they didn't give a fuck who got hurt, I guess, because you can just see this human body thrown from this car, 
or thrown from whatever he fell from. And uh, you got to feel that body hurt when it hit the ground. And uh, that, that was that was some nice 1970s ingenuity stunt work. But yeah, I, I totally forgot to bring up the black lady who took oh, the gun I love to that black lady. She she is amazing. My property, Sheriff Pusser said I could do whatever I want. Yeah, what'd you think about that, Mr. White Trash? Love it. it. (laughs) She's shooting up the cars, man. She's spectacular. She does only in there for for a second, but you need that. Yeah, once again, it's just one of those one of those piecemealed scenes. Yeah. It's like a bunch of vignettes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I uh I dig it though. I mean, I don't dig as much as the other ones, obviously, but it's it's good enough for what it is. And um, I I I can I can watch all three of these movies again, and I, and I can because they're, they're they come on a great Shout Factory set that you can get for Walmart now for ten dollars. So if you're your local Walmart, go go pick this up because I I recommend viewing some more than others. But this is a fucking cartoon of what that first one is again, but in a lot worse ways. There's the scene where he just clears out the whorehouse and just burns it down. It's like, yep, I don't care about the law. I'm just going to burn this shithole to the ground. You know, arson, beef or pusser, they go hand in hand, people, in this fucking movie. Because he fucking destroys this fucking whorehouse. Um, the kids are fine. They need to put that exclamation point at the end of the film. But whose car is that? That's Buford! And then, of course... She has to caress her dead father in her arms, the daughter, the very real daughter, well, you know. True story. She she is the one who found her father on the side of the road. They were not that far behind I him. I don't feel that bad about saying that. I mean, I feel bad about saying that, but you know, here we are. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, they get that was pretty accurate too. They're the ones who found his body, and that's you know, imagine that shit. That's hard. I mean, you. Growing up as Buford Pusser's kids, you're already scared every day he's not coming mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Hell, I would be scared for my own life as right. one of his kids because these are not good people. Do you think they'd have a problem taking a kid, killing a kid? Hell no. It's like, here I am, Buford Pusser, just stirring the pot, literally has a pot stirring the pot, you know. This, this this series should really be called Buford Puster Shit Starter because that's what he does throughout this entire series. Just starts shit, and of course the shit gets resolved, and then he doesn't get to finish oh, the shit. He finishes shit. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's a good time though. I love. I'm gonna kick it too back to Suzanne and ask her anything else she have to say about this film. What do you give it one to ten? Well, like I said, there's like two parts of this movie that are factual. At this point, it's he's become a a caricature. It's it is still watchable, but I just prefer the darker side. Yeah, you know the comic, the the comedy stuff. Yeah, the when that that old black lady shoots that dude's car up, I was I was laughing my ass off. But you know when seeing that hicker get tortured to death, and then he goes ape shit and burns that place to the ground, depressing depressing when he lost the election and like i said it's i didn't even disconnect this time because i kind of knew what i was in for like i said once again i haven't seen this movie in years and i just this one is about a six for me watchable but 
it's not the same. Yeah, I get you, Jamie. Um, yeah, I kind of feel, I kind of feel the same way. I, I do think, I one thing that depresses me is when his car is beating, his, getting, or, oh, what's his name? O, O, Q, O, T. Yeah, he has, he has, a, he has a two-letter name, yes. Yeah, is beating the shit of his car. All these people, like the whole damn town is standing around watching it. He comes up, beats the shit out of the two of them, which I love, then the sheriff shows up, and nobody saw nothing. I'm like, fuck every one of you. Mm-hmm. You know, this town is decent, and it's it's safe to live here now because of this man. You can all fuck right off. You know, it just, their memories are so goddamn short. I, it just, I don't know, it just blows my mind how they just turned their back on him, and I'm like, fuck off. But... I don't really, I mean, I don't even know how accurate that is because as far as him not being reelected, there was a time when his, there there was a term limit back then and and he exceeded the term limit and there was a period of time where he couldn't even run. And then when he did go back to run again, he did, he did lose that election, but I don't think it was, I don't think people turned on him the way the film kind of makes it seem. Which was kind of interesting because at one point you had you had this whole like huge part of the town that just turned their back on him and and wouldn't do anything. And then you had this other part of the town that would still call him sheriff, still thought he was the sheriff, yeah, obviously. still treated him like the sheriff, you know. So that was kind of weird um, that I can see that actually happening, especially with older people. You know, if he <laughs> they would he would be their sheriff for the rest of their lives, you know, but. I don't know. Anyway, it's watchable. It's it's just it's not the same. It's not nearly the same. It doesn't feel like it belongs with the first movie at all. I mean, at all. To me, it just doesn't fit with that. And like I said, especially since, you know, there's a different dad playing the father or Buford's father. Grady is barely in it. Oprah's dead. Um, It's. It's just, it's so we don't have very many of the same characters compared to what we have had before. Like his mom and his kids are the same, but whatever. It's <laughs> the tone's totally off, and I do find it enjoyable. It's just it's really too far on the comedic side to even be in like in the same box set with the first one. Now it is in the same box set with the first one, but I kind of want to. Actually, it's kind of funny. The first and the second movie are on one disc, and the third movie is on a disc all by itself. And I kind of think that makes sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is so far removed uh, from the initial film. But it's, you know, it's still fun. It still has its moments. So for that, I'll give it a seven. But if I ever feel the need to watch Walking Tall, I'm going straight for Joe Don Baker. Understood. Yep. It was a good time. One scene I forgot to mention that I loved, because this is like the most cartoony scene ever, is that he's constantly being picked on by this muscle-bound, mustachioed man, this bald man in this movie. Oh, yeah, that character actor that looks like the Iron Sheik. Yes. And he calls him (laughs) pussy instead of pusser, and yada, yada, yada. Really cartoon shit. But the time, but the, the point in the movie where he hits him in the face with the the board, with 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 the piece of wood... 
I think mm -hmm. it's really great because it's like, yeah, shut your fucking mouth finally. This is what you, this is what you wanted to happen <laughs> is him getting hit across the face with that board. And uh, true story. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And um, besides that, it's, just, because it's a lot of like the tone. Is... Oh, I mean, true story. That's what I wanted. Oh, okay. True. Not not true story. Real life. I don't think that happened. <laughs> I, it's like you guys said, they had this cartoony shit, then they had this really depressing shit, so it's it's like, it's kind of hard to say, I'm, I'm behind this, when you're watching all this cartoony shit happen first, and mm. then guess what, you're you're a star in a movie now, and yada yada, fuck, 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 and you know, you're either in it or you're not, and I, I really wasn't in it all that, that much, because it's just too much stuff to take you out of it, and it was really strange, so with that, yeah. I could give it like a six. Like, same as the last one, but because there's, there's stuff I like, but there's stuff that's really fucking weird. And I take you out of it every time. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's that's it for this one. That's it for this series. And um, we'll come back out to close out the show. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I'm Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? <laughs> we got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's going to be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Uh, we've gone long already, so we're going to skip the death segment. I can't think of anybody anyway to talk about. So, Jamie, you got stuff coming up. Uh, pin out your stuff right now, girl. Well, uh, recently had an episode of Dip Hour come out. We had episode R of ABCs come out. There should be some more of that coming out sometime soon. Married with Children, of course, comes out every Wednesday. And there's some Devour the, po Devour the Podcast. Um, 
podcast under the stairs summer series still floating around out yeah, there. And I'm not saying listen to the ones I'm on. I'm saying listen because it's really it's a really great series. It's fun and entertaining, and it all culminates in a giant messy roundtable that's going to be coming up. So yeah, so get in there and listen to that, and um, that might be. Hmm. I guess that's it. Okay, Suzanne. Uh, the NFW has been tri- paying tribute to TV terrors. We did uh, Duel last week. We did a gem this week called Beneath Bermuda. The, the, Bermuda, the so, Bermuda Depths. Oh, the Bermuda Depths. It was, I knew that it was Bermuda, and it was kind of under. So, yeah. So look for that, and I am lucky enough to be checking out a world premiere. Friday Night Called Skeletons in the Closet, which is kind of an 80s anthology. I will let everybody know how that is and whether you need to run out and get I it. I think I heard an inkling about that somewhere, that, that movie. I told you the other day. No, before that. Before, before okay. you mentioned it. But, um, yeah, I wasn't saying, hey, you know what? I think I heard of that before because you told me this before. <laughs> but, no, I've heard something about this movie on the Internet somewhere. Yeah, my friend did set design and makeup. So I get to go with her. Nice. Uh, this show and the two different commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com. Um, uh, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, uh, is, can be found on the Horophilia Network. Uh, look for both all, all those things. And also look, this, this or the first weekend of December is happening, guys. Again, the Fleas and Flicks charity auction will be happening on the Facebook um, event page. Not on the website, because that was faulty last time. And people weren't able to log in. It was a big old mess. But I got a nice collection of stuff for you guys to bid on, including some great stuff I got a couple weeks ago, including a, a picture signed by Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland. They gladly donated to the cause. And, uh, didn't, again, didn't have to, but that was awesome. Love those guys for that. Um, yeah, look for that, and I'll be posting more and more about that. I got one more con to go to, Days of the Dead, which I hear Maddie and Andrew who may be on the next episode. I don't want to announce that until it happens. Um, from Friday the 13th, they're going to be on there. They're going to be, they're going to be there, supposedly. Hopefully we can meet up and uh, have a cocktail and uh, go meet Clive Barker. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, that's happening in November. In lovely Schaumburg, Illinois. Um, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Cast. Come join the Facebook group. Go check out uh, Legion's Patreon. I didn't mention this at all on any show yet, but Legion has a Patreon now as a network, not an individual show thing. So you're helping me, but you're not helping me because you're helping the network thrive, uh, paying for hosting fees and keeping it uh, keeping it going. So if you're not a Patreon yet, we got a couple up there already. Uh, Derek B- B- Bourgeois, or Bougie from the Underwater Kaiju Show and the Cinema Tech Podcast, and I think there's one more for sure. But uh, we need more of you guys on there, if you guys want to. Not begging, just doing a soliciting for the boss. Patreon page for Legion Podcast, go check it out. There's perks on there, people. And maybe uh, a couple exclusive episodes. I know there's one so far, which is, um, again, Andrew and Maddie and Bo did a Children of the Corn uh, commentary, which I have not listened to yet because I have not become a Patreon myself yet. This week's paycheck, guys, I'm, I'm going to get to it. Um... But yeah, check that out. And uh, that's about it for this one. Um, thanks for listening. And always remember here at the City Beef Podcast, if you've got beef, we've got the grinder.
See you next time.
I'm all I'm all fired up about the celery salt, goddamn it! Fucking <laughs> white people. God, we're horrible. I know. <laughs> yeah, if there is one place I go that I have to have Pat order for me, it's called Rody, and it's like a Mediterranean Chipotle. Oh God, that sounds like diarrhea. I get, I have to have Pat order because I get so confused when I look at the menu. So I totally understand your pain with the burrito. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it's always like young, like hip college kids who are working there and they're like judging you with their handlebar mustaches <laughs> and their uh, pencil thin arms yeah, <laughs> yeah. Arms. Uh-huh. My, my favorite Chipotle experience ever is the time that I seen the unwashed white hippies with the white dreadlocks in there and look like they, they got their pants out of the Aladdin movie <laughs> and, and, I'm picturing like Slater from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> these, these, Wrestling pants. These, these are like, no, these were like pantaloons. Like, they were going to go fucking fly <laughs> on a fucking magic carpet somewhere or something. These, these, these people were bus people. They didn't drive there. 